We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Pick six week, pick six show week number eight. Uh, we're doing this live, or oh, we're doing it live. But right, take one, we're continuing <laughs> on through usual suspects. Rich Rebar, sharp football analysis. John Daigle, four for four. Daigle, what's going on? Hopefully, uh, your week's been going better than my intro. How are things in your world? Doing well. Week eight, the NFL took bye weeks away from us because they don't care about our personal life, but we're still here. <laughs> Uh, you know, credit where it's due. We all, I actually had a down week all last week. I was pretty negative because I just saw all those totals and I thought, man, like football's not even going to be fun, but it was fun. That was a lot of fun on Sunday. We had some really good games. Points were scored, uh, both factually and quite a few of them. So yeah, it was a good slate. Would you agree with that, uh, Rich? Did you have fun last week watching football? Uh, despite the fact we had a lot of low totals and only 10 games in the main slate, but I guess we may do, right? It wasn't so bad. Yeah, we bounced back and recoiled from uh, week six. The same thing as week one, right? You know, you, you you get down when you have a week like week one or week six where all the totals are bad. But typically, you know, the regression in the NFL works swiftly. Well, we're going to need that again this week because the biggest total, on, now it's a 13-game, 13 13-game 13 main slate, right? No buys, no buys at all. Obviously, you focus on the main slate. Don't talk about Thursday night so much or Sunday. Sunday night, that is, or Monday night. The 13-game main slate has a... The biggest total on the board is Miami. Miami and New England, 46 and a half. Denver, Kansas City, we'll talk about them soon enough. Uh, this show, if this is your first time tuning in, where have you been? Secondly, we focus. We focus on three main uh, three main games, the three main games on the main slate, and then uh, we break those down from multiple angles. And what we do is we run it back and give our favorite plays, favorite players, position by position, quarterback, receiver, tight end, running back. We also talk a little bit of movies. We'll do that later on in the back end of the show. That said, we should give a shout out to uh, the week set. Uh, let's see, the week seven listener league winner is Token. Uh, shout out to Token. I, I assume it's Token, T O K K E N or Token. 
I'm not sure. Either way, congratulations. You took down the Listener League. And with that, not only did you get the winnings for taking it down, you get yourself a month, one month free of Roto-Grinders Premium, RG Premium. Uh, do, uh, do DM me, uh, DFS underscore Almanac on Twitter. Let us know in the comment section here. Uh, some way we want to get you paid off. We want to get that, uh, you know, the uh, the premium juiced up for you. And of course, we're running that back one more time. And congratulations to uh, Rich Rebar. The uh, the first time this year, you get to recommend a movie for all of us to watch later on the show. And we're all excited because pressure's on. I, I feel like uh, the energy is that we're waiting for some kind of shift. Uh, and I'm I'm a part of that, I suppose. You guys didn't love my suggestions, <laughs> which is fine. But, uh, yeah, are you feeling the pressure? Do you have a movie in the back pocket? Are you going to look at the, the chat? Maybe the chat will give you some suggestions here, those that listen to yeah, us we'll, live. we'll throw some stuff out there. You know, J- Jordan Love got it home. I was like, when you guys told me, I was like, well, they must have set some real bad lineups. I know I didn't throw a good one in there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I always like to try to win with a bad stack, and it was uh, the Jordan Love special, uh, who somehow keeps kind of getting there for fantasy football, even though he is objectively one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes. You uh you don't have to be faster than the bear. You just got to be like faster than like the slowest person running away from the bear, right? That's I was the bear. The bear caught me. <laughs> Absolutely got me this week. Uh, unfortunately, I, I put up a very I, poor showing in the listener. I launched yourself there. I launched Josh Dobbs into that contest. He did fine. He had the rushing Ooh. touchdown. Yeah, uh, it's still not. It's still not going pretty through the air. But that wasn't the thesis of the play, uh, except that he didn't drag anyone with him. Marquise Brown still just getting these prayer yards out here. So, yeah, uh, that didn't go well. Well, maybe that changes for Marquise Brown. Hollywood's got himself a uh, – uh, this is a first blood revenge game, right? First blood revenge game this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the first time we've been facing his former team, yeah. the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we're not going to be focusing on that game, but I do think it's an interesting game. Maybe we'll talk about we'll some talk about some players in that game, I'm sure. If yeah, the Cardinals – listen, if the Cardinals are playing, <laughs> there will be some guys playing against the Cardinals. Well, not just that, Rich, but you know uh, the old Wednesday night optimals, grain of salt optimals, oh, yeah, right? Maybe. And you know how we like to – this is how we pick our tight end, just whoever the most popular tight end is on a Wednesday night as far as the optimals. And this might be some foreshadowing. <laughs> might be some foreshadowing as far as tight ends. And yeah, it's got to go better than Michael Mayer, I'm sure. Is that was Mayer the number one last week? I know I that know. Uh, Andrews was hitting some. He was like the same boat, right? Like 2,700, yeah. 2,800. Everyone was going to play him at this point. I don't know if people did. Um, last I, week, I think when we talked about it, though, we were all on Mark Andrews. Uh, it was a you know, his price was just favorably, and we wanted to get him in. We talked about the Lions game. Uh, Lamar ended up being super chalky by the time we got to Sunday. Everyone played yeah. Lamar. But uh, we kind of talked about the game. The Lions, hilariously, the Lions actually had an RB1, a wide receiver one, and a tight end one in that game for fantasy scoring. It only scored six offensive points. That has to be one of the few times that's ever happened. But Gibbs, Amon Ra, and Laporta all got there for fantasy, and that team was uh, – uh, they failed hard. Well, it was like 35 nothing. Like, what, the, they still didn't pull the starters. They, they stayed in really, really late. And, uh, yeah, I was just kind of surprised. Like you said, you mentioned Gibbs. Gibbs got there. I'm on raw, like didn't get in the box, but he was like fine. Didn't get really nineteen targets. Yeah, I mean, it, it it just seemed really strange that they stuck in the game so long. But I guess the you know so Dan, Dan Campbell, Campbell doesn't quit, Dean. You know, he cares about your fantasy team. So some of these, I'll tell you, Arthur Smith doesn't, but Dan Campbell does. He cares. He cares about your fantasy team for sure. All right, uh, very first game. Let's talk about it. The Saints and the Colts. Forty-three and a half is the total. Colts are one and a half point favorites. Man, uh, the Colts were in probably one of the more wild games. Speaking of fun, John, this might have been what you were alluding to last week. 
Uh, the Colts in the shootout with uh, Cleveland. So kind of surprisingly, Cleveland, pretty good defense. But Minshew, he's like the perfect like quarterback for this kind of nonsense, but both defensively, offensively for high variance. But And also, you know, this one's expected to be played super fast. And I assume this is part of the reason why you picked this game. We're looking at a ton of plays for the Saints versus the Colts and a dome game as well. Where do you want to start here, John, as far as the Saints at the Colts? Start with the Colts side of the ball because these this game features two quarterbacks who are not good when you watch them, but they end up good in fantasy <laughs> at it because they're their own worst enemies and that they're getting volume because they have to get volume because they dig their own graves every single week. Even in Minshew's three starts for Anthony Richardson this year, the game plan under Shane Steichen hasn't changed. The Colts are number one in most combined points per game. Uh, they're averaging at league high 46.6 dropbacks. They are averaging 75 plays per game, which is number one, and then 15 drives per week as well. Uh, it's just the volume that we're providing on both sides of the ball here. Not only that, but then we talk about, okay, what about Derek Carr, who's also been awful? But again, because Derek Carr has been terrible, like that's why he has 50-plus pass attempts in his last two games. He's been over 300 yards now in consecutive games as well, and is seventh in pass attempts per game. So we just think the volume can get here, and then it's just a matter of trying to piece together like the correct combination. And honestly, for the Colts, it's almost pretty easy like we saw zach moss pop up as a dnp today it's only wednesday we'll see what happens that'll naturally probably get jonathan taylor involved in the field if he's the only running back available but but we have so much confidence in josh downs in this spot michael Pittman has still led the team from Minshew with a 28 percent target share downs at 22 percent but they've created their own little poor man's dolphins target tree and that hmm. like the next closest on the team is Alec Pierce at 12%. No one else is even involved. Um, the running backs are getting chipped in. Like they have a third highest target rate, but there's still two players combining there. Whereas it's just the two big wide receivers. And we know the Saints have leaked the eighth most fantasy points per game to opposing slot receivers where Josh Downs plays. And Downs, although he's like a considered a small slot receiver, he plays so much bigger for his size. Uh, he also gets downfield. Even last week, he had a 60-yard touchdown. It was a broken play, but he's the one who figured it out and ran upfield. So it just seems like his spot is significantly better, in my opinion, than Michael Pittman's as well. So we already have like the starting pieces for this high-volume game. Rich, we're considering salary. Who do you prefer, Pittman versus Downs? I know Downs has been better of late. 4.8K on DK for Downs, 6.5 for Pittman. Both certainly in play. Yeah, I, I definitely prefer Downs as well. Uh, just when you talk about the matchup in a sense, too, I mean, the Saints are very similar structurally to how they play defense uh, like the Browns. I mean, they're fourth in the NFL in man coverage, right? They play cover one at one of the highest rates in the league. Uh, so he's going to get a similar treatment like he got last week, Michael Pittman, that is, where when he lines up outside, if he saw a lot of Denzel Ward, he's going to see a lot of Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, the Saints have allowed the fewest points per game to opposing wide receiver ones. Um, and against man coverage, Downs actually has the highest target rate uh, per route run on the team when Minshew's in the game. So everything's kind of favors Downs, salary, matchup. Uh, it, it just all lines up for him. You mentioned Lattimore. How much do you care about Lattimore, who he's on? And I know quarterback wide receiver. Not much, matches. but I mean, it's one of those things that just that it's more signal for Downs. But like, if there was a family feud board, like a power rankings, however you want to say it, of like oh. the dudes yeah, who want to There are the many good like individual cornerbacks anymore like that we have good cornerbacks in the nfl but because the, the defensive meta is so different than it was when we were 
when we were young where like not anyone really plays man coverage anymore. So like, we don't have to have like those cover guys. No one really shadows anymore uh, because no one's really playing man coverage. So we have very few of those guys left. Uh, the Lattimore is one of those guys that, because right now, like people consider like sauce Gardner, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, but he doesn't move. He just stands over there uh, at left cornerback and doesn't change. doesn't leave at all the entire game. Uh, we have very few of those. Trayvon Diggs is one of those guys that would move around at some guys, but we don't really have those guys anymore in the NFL. Yeah, I was just curious where you're at on that because I've heard. I think part of the reason why uh, Ridley supposedly was bad last game was, uh, you know, I I didn't have my hand in the dirt. I wasn't watching the tape, but uh, was that part of the reason that you catch that? Yeah, part of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, same thing. And you know, Calvin Ridley. If you watch Jaguars games, like all he's getting right now is vertical stuff outside the numbers. Like he's getting really nothing. You know, he's getting no freebie targets in that offense right now. So if both uh, Taylor, if uh, Moss is good to go, Rich. uh, like at some point, right? We're all waiting. Taylor has to. It's inevitable. He has to separate himself from Moss. Like theoretically, right? They they paid him a ton. I know Moss is getting paid a little bit, sure, and he's been good. Uh, and also, they're running the ball a lot because they're running a lot of plays too. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's say they both play. And they had forty touches last week. Yeah, so that's like the twenty two of each. It's a, <laughs> yeah, the two which of is kind of like almost a full time share on other on some other teams, right? And they were lining up. They were lining up Jonathan Taylor at wide receiver at points of that game. He caught a slant. It's just like they're doing some creative things with those guys, probably because, you know, like Daigle said, Alec Pierce isn't doing much, not getting anything out of their tight ends right now at all in the passing game. So they're getting some creative usage with uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, last week too. So that was nice to see. John, what do you got as far as the running game there? Outside of like you know, obviously if Moss doesn't go for whatever reason, we don't know on a Wednesday. Then if Taylor would be massive chalk, but if is there enough for both of them to go around to like pick one and hopefully, you know, we, we get a, a ceiling game out of 20 touches, which is still fine. Well, they're practically still just splitting touches since Taylor only had three more than uh, Moss last week. But yeah, maybe if it's only Taylor, I'll have to see what how it works out. Then then we're kind of another situation where Two weeks ago, you know, we we played 65% Mostert because uh, he was the only running back getting touches. Last week, that was Ken Walker who got the 100-yard bonus. So I'll have to see how the field shakes out with 13 games this week. Well, I can tell you right now, they're all playing Brees Hall on DraftKings. Okay, yeah. Well, that's going to certainly help. Um, he's in the player pool at the end. We'll talk about him later. But I don't know. We'll 5,900 have... against the Giants. I, yeah. I, I imagine he's going to be pretty popular. We'll have to yes. see because every every touch is a good reason, but like 50% against the Saints defense that like only one running back has reached over 60 rushing yards all year. That was Derrick Henry, and he only got to 63. Um, Travis Etienne, like even last Thursday, he scored two touchdowns, but he averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Like he wasn't really efficient at all. So I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see what else opens up because there are some cheap running backs too. I just don't know if we need to go there yet. Rich, what about the Alvin Kamara? Like it. How many more uh, receptions is he going to get? Carr just keeps dumping it off and dumping it off and dumping mm-hmm. it off to him. Are we going to be chasing that? Is that still uh, – how sustainable is it, I suppose? How much do you like Kamara this week? I mean, you got to like him uh, on DraftKings. Uh, he's where he's just really suited there. He's just getting so many targets. Uh, since he's come back, only Tyree Kill has been targeted at a higher rate per out run, uh, <laughs> which doesn't seem optimal way to run your offense, but that's what the Saints are doing. They're like dialing plays up. Like they've gone through a couple fourth downs. There were a couple weeks ago against the Texans. They had a fourth down that cost them the game, and they literally just ran a designed play to Alvin Kamara, and he didn't make it. They did the same thing. He just ran an option route on fourth down last week, and he, he did it. He cooked the linebacker and got it. But like, that's like what they're doing. It's like they're 
they're not really calling like any other any other stuff and like high leverage things except for plays to Alvin Kamara, which is good because he doesn't run the ball well at all. All the same issues that they had last year running the football, which has led to just like the drop back, right? Like Dagle said with a car throwing 50 times last two weeks because they can't line up and just smash mouth anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, on DraftKings, he's really good uh over there. He's he takes a little bit of a sting uh on FanDuel, and then we still haven't seen like because he also loses some of the touchdown equity in that offense because we've seen Taysom Hill get the short rushing touchdown last week. Uh and we know Jamal Williams is still gonna like factor in at some point, probably in that area, but uh he's really good on DraftKings. You gotta take here as far as Kamara. No surprise on the optimals. Kamara is number one, Pollard number two, and uh, Brees Hall. So there you go. The aforementioned Brees Hall, uh, you know, is the most popular running backs currently hit my optimals right now on a Wednesday. Yeah. John, how much do we like Kamara and feel free to go, you know, beyond that as far as the saints offense. I could see myself if I need to spin down at quarterback, uh, paying down and for Derek Carr and just hoping for the 300 yard bonus and bringing along Alvin Kamara that way. Uh, again, I, I have a better idea of those kind of things structurally by Friday evening, but, yeah, I mean, there's nothing really else to say about Kamar. Rich kind of said it all. He has 19 more targets than the next closest running back, and he's played four games. I mean, they're just they have nowhere else to go. That's that's where the ball's going. Even like these these Chris Olave targets, like one Chris Olave had a 30 and a half percent target share in his first three games without Kamara, and now these last four he's dipped all the way to 20 percent. Maybe it could be some of that toe injury he's been battling, but also Derek Carr has the sixth lowest on target rate on throws 10 yards downfield. Uh, you go back to that game on Thursday night against the Jaguars where uh, Carr launched it out of bounds over Alave's head. And it's just a lot of targets like that, that I don't think even get there. So you're kind of just hoping one of those big plays come to fruition for the saints. Not only that, but it seems like we're going to get Jawan Johnson back. So you have to take Taysom Hill out of the pool as well. Since, since Johnson will be involved. The only other real option, like if you're looking to spin down at wide receiver will be Rashid Shahid because he is getting usage. Like he's run a, a route on over 80% of dropbacks in four of his last five games. The one outlier being that Patriots blowout where they beat them down 34 to nothing a couple weeks back. And like Alavi has this 20% target share with Kamara. Shahid's right behind him at 15.4%. Like Shahid's actually not getting lost whenever they have to pass. And again, they have to pass because they're so bad. So you're really just hoping one of those big plays get there. You mentioned Jawan Johnson, one of my uh, best ball darlings earlier in the year, coming back from injury. Hopefully, that should be uh, interesting to see how he uh, works in. Uh, let me see, they Rich. Shouldn't, they yeah, shouldn't take Taysom off the field. Like he actually adds something to that offense, as uh, hilarious as that is. Uh, he's like what their third, fourth best player. They need to keep him involved, honestly. That's more of an indictment on the rest of the team, but by calling him like Correct. the third best player. Yeah, yes. okay. It's not necessarily like this huge compliment for Taysom, but. Yeah, uh, Rich, uh, you're making a you know a stack, a game stack. Car is five five. Minshew's five four. You can only make one lineup. Who are you starting with? Probably the car side. I want to play Alave. Uh, I mean, uh, Alave, all his peripherals look pretty good. Uh, you know, no team plays more cover three than uh, the Colts do. Uh, Alave leads the team uh, in in target target rate against cover three. He has forty one percent of team air yards. He's been targeted on thirty percent of his routes against cover three. And the best part about it is only ten percent of his targets against cover three have been inaccurate from Derek Carr, as opposed to twenty one percent against the, against other looks. <laughs> uh, and he's averaging more yards per outrun than any other coverage that he faces as well. So 
And then you factor in just the Colts in general have really struggled against wide receiver ones and vitality. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm interested in him. He's he's hopefully he runs as fast as he he was driving this week, uh, and we can put up those points. I saw a note on Twitter that what the PFF tweeted out that like Olave has zero drops. Like I think the most targets maybe was zero drops. And then I saw like people tweeting like here's him dropping the ball here, here's him dropping the ball there. Who who scores these things? What, what what's officially a drop? Is there a gray area? Do you guys know any insight? Of, you know what I'm talking about? Nah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think a lot of it's still pretty subjective. Yeah, um, yeah. there are certain plays too. Like, I mean, and drops don't largely matter to me, anyways. You, you so you earn targets. I mean, Devonte Adams had a touchdown. He probably should have caught. Like, like two weeks ago, Puka Nakua had didn't get credit for a drop, but it's like a play you kind of count on him to make more than he misses, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Anything else as far as this game? It's worth talking about. Michael Thomas is like has no ceiling, right? It just it, there's no ceiling. So, what's the point? Not the guy he was five years ago. Shockingly enough, no. I mean, even Any with a touchdown, even with a touchdown last week, you know. But he's what he's got. I think he's got like he's like so consetti like this year, right? Like, doesn't he have like forty-two yeah. to like fifty-five yards like in every game? Like, he's just it's like every box score looks the exact same. He has a yeah. he has a extremely you high need ten floor. PPR points. You're getting those. Yeah. He's like uh he's like rich fans. <laughs> Wandale Robinson. If you need 10 PPR points, he'll get you 10 PPR points. If you need 12, he'll get you 10. That, that old joke, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of where he's living right now. Good for him, though. I'm glad he's healthy and, you know, he's out there thriving. There you go. Uh, all right. I guess let's move on. Let's talk about – hey, this was late swapped in. I'm curious why. I feel I feel like uh, there must be some reason why we got Pittsburgh and Jacksonville late swapped in here from John. Uh, Jacksonville getting two and a half points here. Uh did I write that wrong? They're probably two and a half point favorites, aren't they? They can't be right. They're not two and a half point dogs for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. I wouldn't think so. Um, wait. Oh, the game's in Pittsburgh. That's what I wrote up wrong. Okay. Uh, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. I knew it did something goofy here. And Pittsburgh is getting two and a half at home. 41 and a half is the total. John, did you uncover something and say like, there's something we got to talk about as far as Jacksonville and Pittsburgh? Are you like a, you know, a founding member of the Kenny Pickett fan club? What do we want to talk about as far as the Jags and the Steelers? It was really just because sometimes I get ahead of myself and like some overs and then start breaking down the environment. <laughs> and I got to the Panther side and I was like, what, what the hell am I going to sell anyone on here? Like, am I going to go on and try to talk about like a post-buy rookie bump from Jonathan Mingo? Or are we just going to call it quits with yeah. Adam Thielen? So, hey, they got a new offensive coordinator. I, I do kind of <laughs> like that game still. We'll talk about it in positional plays, but yeah. I couldn't get there for the full game. Uh, but really for the Jaguar Steelers, I think it's one of the more sneakier environments if we can get some push from the Steelers offensive side of the ball. Because even last week against the Rams, man, at through three quarters, they had 110 yards of offense. They really only got their touchdown because TJ Watt had that sideline to sideline, amazing interception against Matthew Stafford right out of the half. And he put them inside the 10 yard line, which Kenny Pickett then just scrambled in for. But if it weren't for TJ Watt, like getting their offense down there, who knows if they would have been able to drive the field at all. So that's eventually what happened. But still, this this defense can be exploited. Maybe Tomlin still has more voodoo in his bag. And if Tomlin keeps doing this, by the way, just forget Mike McDaniel. Go ahead and give Tomlin coach of the year if he take if he drags the carcass of Kenny Pickett and this Steelers team to the playoffs. But 10th and pressure rate. Even so, they're still allowing explosive all the times. Literally, the 
fourth highest, fifth highest explosive rate through the air in the league. And we saw Trevor Lawrence come back at full strength. Not only 60 rushing yards, he's going to wear the knee brace again this week, but he already looked at full health. Also the QB9 on the week too. So I just think we have some potency through the air here. And we kind of know where we would like to target with him and Christian Kirk. And to a lesser extent, Evan Ingram, unless you want to take a chance on Calvin Ridley's ceiling. Yeah, we may get Zay Jones back this week. It seems like there's a decent chance. I know we didn't practice today on a Wednesday, but mm-hmm. I guess keep an eie on that, I suppose. By the way, I'm all for uh, Tom. I feel like he's like one of the more underrated coaches the last so many years. He's been around forever, too. But like, and it's just wild that Pittsburgh has had, what, two coaches for you know, what, 60 years or something it's like weird that? because Tomlin's, like, clearly a good coach at, like, the like the stuff that matters, right? Like, it, it, elev- like maxing out, like, player effort and things like that. But he's, like, a really bad coach at the things that, like, you need to actually, like, win at. So it's, like, kind of like a uh, like a, a, a hand in one and a hand in the other. Because, like, I feel like it, it's almost like he's such a good coach at the things he's really good at that it's almost been bad for the Steelers in big picture. I think retroactively, he didn't get enough credit for how he coached and, I guess, dealt with Antonio Brown. I don't know how you want to say oh, yeah. it. Well, I mean, He's listen, like, you've seen what happened with Chandler Jones. Like, listen, you don't know what the, 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 these guys put their bodies through, man. Sure. Uh, yeah, but, you know, but things like, happen speaking. later on in life when you scramble your brains for, for 10 years playing, mm-hmm. you know, this, you're playing football. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fair point for sure. Um, I was going to mention, by the way, uh, the hard knocks, the new, the, the in-season hard knocks. Speaking of coaches, uh, I don't know if you guys heard this. Rich, our beloved, Dolphins. our beloved uh, McDaniel. Like if any opportunity for more McDaniel clips. Like I don't know if you're a hard knocks guy or not, but I'm excited about the in-season hard knocks with the, yeah, you know, the Dolphins. They could not have picked a better team, far as I'm concerned, because we get. More, I usually, uh, I usually don't watch, but I make time for McDaniel. Like I even listen to that. Same. I've, I even listened to that uh, play caller series on the athletic, <laughs> athletic this offseason just because McVa- uh, McDaniel was on there. I haven't listened to that, but now you got to point me in that direction. I'm definitely going to check it out for sure. I love I love his, uh, his sound bites. Uh, Rich, what do you have as far as uh, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville? How do you feel about this game? What team you want to focus on first? Yeah, but the, to, to Jacob's point in the chat, like never having a losing season, like that's like that's the badge of honor. Like going eight and eight, going nine and nine, like that's that's not it. Like Tomlin's actually prevented them from like getting over the hump in recent years. Like actually, like cashing in, and a lot of his, in a lot of his not falling on the sword for some guys that he should, like Matt Canada right now. The Steelers are a completely stuck in purgatory team right now, like from a roster or an organizational stance. Like if you're happy for just like trying to like fight for a wild card spot and get bounced by one of these really good AFC teams, like props to you, man. Like props to you. So that's great. <laughs> like Houston's doing it right is what you're saying. Like hit, hit rock bottom and then rise. Yeah, exactly. And it's no like real detriment to like, like because the things Tomlin is good at like are things like intangible stuff. But like real football things has like held the Steelers back, right? Like they haven't run a real offense in seven years. Like there, <laughs> like they're going back to the last three years of Ben Roethlisberger. Like this is like they they he does in game in game clock management stuff that's like absolutely like mind boggling. I mean, it's it's crazy. And the Kenny Pickett thing is even wilder because people are like, Kenny Pickett's got all these fourth quarter comebacks. Like, yeah, he's been awful for the first three quarters in every game. <laughs> like, so it for is. the season. It's amazing. Yeah, it literally only happens on the last drive. It's incredible. For the season right now, Kenny Pickett, is he's completed 73% of his passes with 10.1 yards or pass attempt in the fourth quarter of all these games. In the first three quarters, 
He's last in the NFL with 57.8% completion rate, 27th in six yards or pass attempt. So he puts himself in all these spots that just rally, rally back. And everyone's like, man, this dude's got alligator blood. Like you can't, Sally doesn't come back. He's so clutch. <laughs> like, dude, put the team ahead. I did a quick Google. I was curious who the NFL all-time fourth quarter comeback quarterbacks are. Uh, and I guess, I mean, like the, the first one's, you know, uh, Tom Brady, just because he yeah. played like a thousand years. So, yeah, I want to, uh, Big Ben, uh, Roethlisberger is uh, third, uh, speak to your point of uh, the Pittsburgh conversation. Brady, Manning, uh, Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, Stafford. And then, of course, Johnny Unitas. Who can forget Johnny Unitas, big, comes, come, big comebacks in the, the 50s or the 60s, whatever, 70s, 60s, 70s. All right. Uh, Rich, what do you have as far as, uh, yeah. Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, this game, uh, anything stand out to you in particular? I mean, you just keep playing Travis Etienne. Uh, you know, he leads the NFL in touches. Uh, you, the, Steel, we, we, the Steelers just allowed 130 rushing yards to Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman. Uh, <laughs> they're allowing 4.7 yards per carry to running backs. They're allowing 15.9 rushing points per game to opposing running backs. And for the first few weeks of the season, we were just kind of waiting for ETN to like check off that last box, right? Like he was doing everything. He's, he's caught more passes this year. He's among the league leaders in snaps at running back. Uh, he's giving you still explosives. All we needed was him to get the goal line carries and they were pulling him for random goal line carries with for Tank Bigsby. But these last two games, it's been all him uh, at the goal line. So that was the last box he needed to be checked. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you can just keep playing him uh, for sure. DK did not bother to change Deontay Johnson's price. He's still just 5K. That still seems too cheap. Uh, Pickens is 5-6. Was he eased in or did he, was he just fully unleashed as far as uh, routes run and like participation mm -hmm. and snap? He was good all the way in, just like the Cooper Cup treatment. Like the, They waited until he was ready to play. He, okay. he, let, he left the game for like one series, a couple plays at one point. But yeah, he was all the way in. Unlike Aaron Jones, who will never see play a full game. This <laughs> He'll year. never play football. Oh. <laughs> there was a third guy. Like I know Dylan got some. Yeah, Emmanuel Wilson. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, who? Would, you, I I was tilting my face off. I'm like, Wilson. Who is this Wilson guy? <laughs> it feels that the Aaron yeah. Jones thing feels almost identical to what happened with Keenan Allen last year. Like he came back, re-injured, and like we went through a couple weeks where he like tried to play hurt, and like we just need him to like shut down and come back, man. All right. Uh, anything else of note as far as Jacksonville and Pittsburgh? Any other stats to fire away before you jump into our third game? Um, yeah, I mean, you kind of know what happens with Calvin Ridley against man coverage. Like last week, even Saints play man coverage on 57% of their snaps. They've been playing at the fourth highest rate in the league. And as Rich alluded to at the beginning of the show, the Jaguars just kind of ignore Calvin Ridley when it comes to man coverage. All Six targets all year against that particular scheme. Uh, the Steelers are also a top 10 unit in man coverage, a third of their defensive snaps. So we'll have to see if they still like run Calvin Ridley just blindly from the boundary and use them more as a deep decoy. But either way, it seems like a still a favorable spot for Christian Kirk now. So uh, sure, ETN, Christian Kirk together. If you want to play a little bit of Travis ETN, even though he falls in that no man land of salary. But I can see myself skinny stacking this game with either him or even taking a chance on like George Pickens because uh, for George Pickens target share to stay as it was like 30% and also see 41% of the team's air yards. Like we are, it still takes a prayer for him to catch a Kenny pick a deep ball. Like you <laughs> need those to get there, but to have that high target share with those downfield shots, it is worth taking those chances as long as the volume sticks around. 
Calvin Ridley, week three, was 7.2K on DK. Week four, 6.9. Week five, 6.8. Week six, 6.7. Six, week seven, 6.4. Week eight, down to 5.8. It's down to 5.8. They're, they're dangling him. He hasn't been great, obviously. He's had his moments, not many, but a few. Uh, Steelers have been bad to outside wide receivers. It's just the problem yeah. is his usage on the route tree. I mean, 56% of his targets are further than 10 yards downfield. Uh, 60.4% of his targets are outside the numbers. So he's, you know, th- those are targets that come with low success rates. Uh, he needs to get more of that, the, the intermediate stuff, like, cause those are efficiency smoothing targets and they help your floor a lot. Um, that's why you see guys like Kirk, you know, excelling right now and right now in that offense, because Ridley's getting downfield attention, uh, and he's getting, and he's running guys off and it's opening things up in the offense. So I Evan, Evan Ingram is second on the team in targets since week two. He actually has fewer targets than Evan Ingram too. How much is Evan Ingram? I don't know his price in front of me. He's, he's the Michael with... Thomas of tight ends. If you need 10 PPR points, <laughs> Evan Ingram is going to get you 10 PPR points. They, they always price him too. Like they don't drop his salary ever. He stays in that like 5,500 to 5,900 range. Am I seeing he's a, uh, let's see. My, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I have to I pull up a different page. Yeah. He's four or five on DK this week. Evan Ingram. Oh, okay. Three yeah. of them. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's you know he's not cheap, 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 but like you know he's fine. He's certainly worth a look. I guess he's what's his DraftKings game log look like? It's got to be like nine to twelve PPR points every single week. You're yeah nine five eleven one six eight twelve nine three thirteen seven eleven seven nine nine. So yeah, yeah, it's right very there. concise. <laughs> <laughs> we get, we get the Evan Ingram and, and Michael Thomas together. If you want to finish in like the 51 percentile, you cash. You just want to hit the cash line, dude. <laughs> Shooting them in cash for sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, last yeah. game, last game amongst the three that we're going to feature. Let's talk about it in just a second. Do you want to mention NBA DFS? It is back. It's actually opening night as we record. When Yama's taking the court momentarily. Yeah. Super excited about that. NBA DFS, it's back. The amazing suite of premium offerings here at Roto Runners. That's also available as well. For a limited time, you can lock in a full season of NBA Premium. $50 discount. Everything from the lineup HQ access with up-to-the-minute premium projections as well as ownership. If you like to play in the uh, like the prize pick streets or the underdog streets, we have a fantasy pick'em tool, which will help you pick a, you know the most optimal, the best, you know, the most likely things to hit. Uh, check out the link in the description for more information if you want to, to check it out. $50, $50 current discount on the NBA Premium package. And by the way, just a heads up, we do a uh, – you know, we're always doing shows here on the channel, Roto Grinders. Earlier today, we were doing Grinders Live, 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock on the East Coast, taking you all the way up the lock, talking uh, NBA. That's one show. That's one sport. you got to be on top of things because uh, the, the slate can absolutely flip on its head, you know, if certain players are ruled out, uh, as happens very, very often in NBA. And, like, the, the adjust conversation is always fun. Kansas City. Kansas City at Denver. Denver's getting seven and a half points at home versus the Chiefs. 46 is the total here, Rich. Um, you know, hey, we were doing backflips as far as our people. If you had Mark Andrews last week, you felt great about it until, you know, Travis Kelsey pulled the old hold my mm-hmm. beer. And he just it was absolutely outrageous. Just an incredible performance from Travis Kelsey. Uh, I was told he was old and broken a couple weeks ago. I guess not. He's perfectly fine. Uh, he's spectacular. And maybe if somebody to double a tight end, Andrews and Kelsey, that could have been I, kind of fun. I, I think the I, Millie Maker won. The, it was double tight end, right? Was it? I didn't see it. Yeah, it was. It was Kelsey Andrews and the cash game swap 
was getting off Cooper Cup to Travis Kelsey. I did not budge. I held my ground because I wanted Cooper Cup over Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I lost that battle in a hard, hard way. Yeah, I mean, you could obviously that's like the 99th percentile outcome of what Kelsey did last week. You couldn't really see that yeah. coming, but still yeah, hurt. That was, yeah, still oh, hurt. for sure. It hurts just the same. And, and yeah, Cup went the actual opposite way, too. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Hey, this is why DFS, we care about today and today only. Clean yep. slate, clean slate on Sunday. We'll try it again all over. Uh, it scores are 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, yeah, so how much are we prioritizing, Kelsey? You know, in, on a Wednesday, it's hard to know, right, Rich, as far as what kind of value will be out there where we can sort of justify paying up for Kelsey. Um, and the rest of the Kansas City offense, what are you seeing as far as the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I, I mix in some Kelsey in tournaments of him, but maybe it's just a whole – I just have such a hard time paying his price always, and he's <laughs> yeah. been so dominant still. But, man, I mean, he – He's got 100 yards receiving in the first half of the last two games. Like, literally got the bonus for halftime the last two weeks. Uh, he's got 30 more expected fantasy points than the next closest tight end since he's come back. It's just that the gap is wide again, but it is – you have to pay the the price on it. It's always crazy, which when you see, like, that 3K gap, it's like, well, I could just play Mark Andrews and use, like, for another 3K to go somewhere else. Um, but he really is still the only reliable pass catcher on a weekly basis you can count on. We are still getting the slow simmer – of Rasheed Rice. Uh, you know, we saw him, you know, get up to 64 and a half percent of the team routes last week. Uh, he's, he's literally the only guy, well, we had MVS touchdown too, but he's really the only kind of consistent chiefs wide receiver. Um, we just need him to get more overall usage, but it's literally Kelsey every week. Season high target for MVS. It looks like he had five targets last week. Uh, I thought it was maybe just like a one and done. He got it. Congratulations one target, to yeah. MVS. You reached five targets. <laughs> Now we have to have the update, Rich. You're always on top of this. Is he still number one or the worst, depending on how you look at it, as far as a you know ball thrown his way, target percentage amongst you know a certain number of qualifiers? I'll have to see if he earned some targets because I know uh, I'll have to double check because I know uh, you're the guy we talked about in the first game was gaining ground. It was uh, Mr. Alec Pierce. <laughs> yeah, so I'll find was, out for you. I'll look it up as Daigle right. wax poetically about whatever Bronco he's going to sell us on here. I so I felt like I was bullied by the Chiefs first half, not even that full game against the Chargers. I felt like the first two quarters ended me so bad in tournaments that I thought, okay, I guess I have to talk about the Chiefs every week now. But the issue is that it could be the same thing that what happened to the Chargers, that the Chiefs defense is just too damn good for mm-hmm. anyone to push back. I mean, dude, they, no one has scored more than three offensive touchdowns against them since week one whenever they didn't have Kelsey or Chris Jones to begin with. Like, this defense is just running rampant right now. Russell Wilson also, we're only two weeks removed from him having his worst game of the season, 95 yards and two picks against this Chiefs defense. Not only that, but honestly, like, he's lost his lust the last two games too. Like, he's just turned back into a pumpkin, five and a half yards per attempt. He is averaging uh, his most rushing yards per game in quite a bit. But even then, it's not enough to get there in this offense. So it's just a mess right now. I just felt like we had to talk about some of the pieces because, you know, the Chiefs forced my hand. Two quarters of the Chiefs forced my hand. <laughs> yeah, that goes back to last year. I mean, the back third of last year, they were just they were a really excellent defense when that, once that secondary got healthy. Um, update, MVS did get out of the cellar. I don't know if this is the, <laughs> we would put an asterisk next to it because Olamide Zacchaeus is there now. But, like, now he's that they've got Julio Jones. I don't know if he should qualify. Um, then you've got Randall Cobb, Donovan Peoples-Jones, uh, and Jalen Hyde is there too, although hopefully he's trending up as well. 
I think oh, Donovan Peoples wow. Jones, like beat reporters were talking about him getting replaced by Marquise Goodwin soon too. Um, not that that matters. I was looking, I was looking at all this, you know, just finishing my breakdowns before the show. And uh, Dean, right now, the bottom three quarterbacks in completion rate against cover three zone coverage um, okay. are all are all Browns quarterbacks. It is PJ <laughs> Walker, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Deshaun Watson, like all in a row there. Man, what a I don't what a mess that is as far as Cleveland and the Watson situation and man, it, like we knew something was been weird for like weeks now and just the whole thing is I don't know it's just getting odder and odder and he got steamed yeah. a little bit last week too because that total was increasing uh, and to be fair you know they combined for over seventy five points so sure but it was it wasn't because of the offenses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. Well, I, I I made some brown stacks late in the week because yeah. you know that I make every every time the the Colts play on the main slate, I make a, a game stack around that game. So I was like, oh, Amari Cooper might actually finally do something. Nope, that didn't happen. I had I, I did this. I had Elijah Moore and uh, my single entry core, and it's just like, man, those targets are so useless, so shallow and so useless every single week. But Dean, an update. So I rolled the dice and had the Colts for my pick a loser game okay and, and i won me and another it got down to me and just one other person already in week seven and we just split it so uh but i had picked the Colts it's over yeah it's over already because uh how many started the the core picked the patriots the patriots knocked out like literally everyone but two people last week and the vikings <laughs> the vikings and patriots like knocked out like the remaining people and i picked the colts and one person had the cardinals and i was saving the cardinals i was clutching them and the whole time that i thought the browns were gonna lose like this game's over and then the refs were like you can have this win cleveland uh, <laughs> and i was like cool i'll take it too which uh which format do you prefer the pick a loser or the survivor pick a loser because- for sure it's much tougher because, like, you can't just pick on Arizona every yes. single week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially early in the season where you don't know kind of which teams are really bad or good. Like, at this point of the season, like, the Cardinals, we found out, like, who they are. We'll see if it stuff changes with Kyler Murray when he comes back. But, like, we've got a good idea, like, a, a few of these teams, like, really how bad they are. Whereas early in the season, you don't. And you can kind of uh, – roll. You have, to, you have to choose at that point. So, like, if you want to use the Texans, like, do you burn them or do you save them, right? Like – do you use uh, the Cardinals? Do you use any of these other bad teams? I uh, I lucked out last week. I, I tried to go against, you know, when, when those are zigging, I was zagging, and it kind of worked out in my favor because um, the thing, the league I was in is like a 1,000 people, and it's down it down like 200 because a lot of people took some duds last week. But I took Detroit. I said, you got to pick these teams at some point. And I thought Baltimore at home, like I was looking at Detroit's schedule. I'm like, this seems like a spot where they're going to lose. I think they're going to lose like 38th or whatever it was. Yeah, and then I took the Chargers. So it's a great yeah, call. I'm still alive. Yeah, Detroit yeah, was my reach last week. The Eagles and, uh, did restore our faith, though, that the NFC can maybe punch back just a little bit against the AFC, just a little bit. Well, we yeah. talked about it on the show last week that about the Lions' schedule and like who yeah. they had played for last month, and that's why we weren't scared of Lamar, and that's why I was so disappointed. We got the Sunday, and I was like, oh, everyone's playing Lamar. So yeah, I didn't. I just didn't expect him to come in. As high rostered on DK, I knew on FanDuel doubles were easy to get to, um, but I just didn't expect everyone to play or most people to play the tight end doubles with Kelsey Andrews and Lamar. I know we don't expect a lot of fun with the NFL, but the Halloween is the trade deadline. There's some rumors out there on like Jerry Judy, and I don't know how much fun that would be, like trading for Jerry Judy, kind of a I don't mid receiver, whatever you want to say. Derrick Henry possibly might get traded because why not Tennessee? 
um, you know, what's the point? You might, you might as well get rid of him because you're going nowhere anyway. Um, who Who's the most likely guy? Or Richard is going to tell me it's not going to happen, so what's the point? Because this just doesn't happen. I mean, you never know. Chris McCaffrey got traded last year to trade deadline. So you know, yeah. the Titans should trade Derrick Henry. I know that. They should trade DeAndre Hopkins. Will they? What could you get for Derrick Henry? It's a, who cares? You know, I think, He's a free agent. Yeah. Are they resigning him? I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Maybe a fifth rounder? I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, I have no idea. Yeah, that's I would I'm imagine doing. like a fourth or something. But you ain't getting probably a day two pick for him. Baltimore? Not, where, where would he go? Definitely not for Hopkins. But who, who's, who's trading for him? But Hopkins had a little juice a couple weeks ago. I think Hopkins could still help a couple teams out. Uh, the Derrick Henry one is just more troubling. It's like what team wants to give up assets for a running back that's already good, right? Like what, what team needs? And the Ravens are like the one team you can kind of talk yourself into. But does Derrick Henry just slow them down? Because you when you have a, yeah. a back that's unique like Derrick Henry, like you kind of he like shapes kind of what your offense wants to do. And the Ravens have kind of moved away from that. Like they're playing more 11 yes. personal than they ever did. They're playing faster. So like – yeah, Derrick Henry's better than Gus Edwards, and he's better than Justice Hill. But like, does he transform that offense? Like, and then you can just say, well, like, it's never bad to add a good player. There's like a lot of different dynamic nuances to it, but he's kind of unique. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, could help a, a few teams out, though. You got anything else as far as John is players that might get traded, or do you want to talk? Just talk about your favorite Bronco to run back for KC. Not that you have to run it back. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, we're still trying to talk one. about this game. I forgot. forgot I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was tying it to Der- Jerry Judy, basically. Oh, M- Mims saw, finally got a little boost, right? As far as some uh, route participation, is yeah, that, but excited about that. He's still poor man's Rasheed Rice. We talked about that last week. We were like, he went up to forty four percent, and in this offense, a forty four percent route rate isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, also, negative rushing yards as they try to get him involved more. Third most on the team among their wide receivers in routes run, but still not enough. The only reason like really we're waiting for is uh, picking up in redraft leagues and then hoping Jerry Judy gets traded somewhere. And I'm not sure the, I'm actually not sure the Broncos have received calls. I think the reports are they're calling teams because no (laughs) one is calling them about Jerry Judy, which makes sense. So who knows what we're going to get, but I still think it's too thin. Uh, I will say that was, you know, 18 touches for Javante Williams. That was a season-high mark. It was also the best he's looked all year. Like, he actually looked explosive as well. I don't know if you want to run a running back here into this Chiefs defense, but honestly, that may be your best bet right now. Cortland Sutton is averaging five more fantasy points per game, although the Chiefs are still pretty much locking down receivers, both from the boundary and the slot. So, I don't know. It's thin. I just felt like we should talk about the Chiefs more than anything. How much does like how good the Chiefs defense being and the combination of like how I don't know uh, mediocre Denver's offense is? How much does that kill the ceiling of the Chiefs, right? Because how many points do they actually have to put up for this, you know, to be threatened that they're going to lose this game? You know, obviously it's the NFL, goofy things happen all the time, but it's just is the defense for Kansas City, you know, holding down the ceiling, the possible ceiling for the Kansas City offense? You know, does that make sense? Is the question I'm asking? I mean, so if the team's going to score, I mean, we've seen that a couple weeks ago against Denver uh, in that game. There was a little bit of weather stuff, but like they, they didn't have to really keep their foot on the gas. So, yeah, we saw um, that against the Chargers, too, where, again, it was it was two quarters. Go back. But and that's watch why that. Pacheco has been a little better and he's not been running well, but the touches have been there. And it's given him a you know a path for more touches because they are able to kind of run a little bit at the end of these games. They're not just jailbreak situations like they were on some of these other Chiefs pre- previously teams where their defenses weren't as good. 
anything to read in as far as uh, Hardman, by the way? I saw somebody in chat mention Hardman. And, yeah, Hardman back here for Kansas City or <clears throat> nothing of notes to get excited about here, Rich? Like, I'm guessing. it's No, all... my, my thought process was that they wanted to replace what they lost at Richie James, and that's kind of what he was. You know, the, the kick returner got on the field for a few routes. But that's – I think when they lost Richie James, like that, they were kind of just looking to replace that. All right. Uh, anything else as far as Kansas City, Denver, or is that that's it? I think that's it. Yes. No, I, so. I mean, Shaco again gets the usage. Uh, doesn't really hurt you. He does have at least three targets in four of his last five games, so getting a little more reception volume as well. But it really just comes down to like, uh, do you need him? Because I think what's happening is people are playing him more for his salary and in cash games for his usage more so than his ceiling. Which, just like we talked about last week with last week's running backs. It was easy to eliminate and whittle down our pool because you just ask like who beats you. Josh Jacobs still getting rostered every single week. And we're not, we're so far removed from being scared of Josh Jacobs and like <laughs> anything over 5%. So yeah, that's just kind of what we're doing again with Pacheco here. Also the, the Derek, the Titans don't automatically, they can get a comp pick for Derek Henry if they, if they do let him go on for agency, but they also re it restricts them from really signing anyone too. You can also negate comp picks that you uh, are given. So it just still makes sense that they do, if they can get something they should trade for him. Not necessarily now you're going to take a sixth or seventh, but they just don't automatically get that, that comp pick. Like they can still negate comp picks with their own free agent signings themselves. All right. Well, I hope, I hope something interesting happens. But like you say, Rich, most of the time, unfortunately, it doesn't. Probably because salary cap reasons. But yeah, yeah his salary probably makes it the hardest. That's that's what I figure. Kind of mucks it up. But uh, we'll see. Uh, stay Maybe tuned, they'll I eat suppose. some of it though. You know, like they eat some of Bayard's. Um, but I would be surprised still if it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Tennessee kind of is conceding though. They pretty much understand. Like Daniel supposedly on the block as well. I don't really know. Like, I get what Tannehill help like the Jets like enough where it matters the trade for him. Is there a team where you can say, well, if only Tannehill was on? I don't know. <laughs> no, because if you're a team like the Jets, like what are you like? What are you even? Uh, what are you even getting? Like, what's the plan to like lose in the first round? Like, like yeah. Tannehill, like are you winning three games versus Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson? Like, it's the same thing we talked about with the Steelers, right? Like. Like, cool. Like, that, if that's the plan, if that's the goal is to not have a losing season, to just tread water, like, cool. Then there's nothing wrong with that, right? Punch your ticket. But, like, you aren't beating all of those quarterbacks three games in a row. Like, with Ryan Tannehill? You're using logic and reason, but you remember, Rich, when we jumped on this show, producer Steve is a big New York Knicks fan, and he was sweating his Knicks. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, I can't believe it. Like, well, th they're terrible. It's the same dumb team they had last year. Like, what do you expect? And it's – you know, they're not going anywhere. Like, you know, if they beat Boston tonight, like, good for them. They're still not going anywhere. It gets to be, you can have a fun 24 hours or so. But, like, yeah, and the fan base is just, they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear the, like, you I get know. it. I get it. Maybe that's, yeah, I'm just not, my I don't have You're the fandom. Right. I don't have the fandom gene in me anymore. I can't, like, blindly just pursue these types of terrible angles. Yeah, I'm all about tanking when it makes sense. Uh, you know, for basketball last year, I was yelling. I'm not saying tanking. anyone has to tank. I'm just saying Ryan Tannehill, like, ain't the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the question is who is like the 32nd best quarterback in the nfl that maybe the answer is ryan Tannehill. and i get it like the jets have a great defense they do but like ryan Tannehill, like you're still not going in with ryan Tannehill beating like you, you might win one of those games right like just through variance and as good as your defense is but like you ain't winning three in a row against the really good quarterbacks all right let's talk about our favorite quarterbacks we've not yet mentioned before we do that we do want to mention 
more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. If you want to watch Ryan Tannehill in person and when you need tickets, Ticketmaster, they got you covered at the official Ticketmaster, uh, the official marketplace of the NFL Ticketmaster. They give you more ways to find your perfect seats. Their interactive seat map gives you uh, 360 degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view for those pivotal plays. And if your plans happen to change Ticketmaster, they got you covered. More flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets, they make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your favorite team's colors. Find Ticketmaster today. Uh, tickets to Ticketmaster today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. All right, John, uh, what quarterbacks have we not yet talked about that are worth talking about? And speaking of Jets and quarterbacks, I mean, how cheap do they have to make a quarterback? To I just want to start with this because Sam Darnold is it might be Sam. I don't want to say it's Sam Darnold season. It might be Sam Darnold right. week. Uh, I'm curious. He's four three. Is kind of he's four three on DK. Um, you know, we're assuming it looks like uh, you know Purdy and, and concussion protocol. The way things have played out this year, like basically, it seems very likely he's not going to play. Is is that should we talk about this? Yeah, Sam Darnold. If you got to, I guess. I guess we. I mean, same thing. I saw someone in the chat ask about Kareem Hunt. We kind of, kind of probably talk about that backfield too, even though it's it could be a trap. Um, I haven't. Yes, but I haven't wrapped my head around Sam Darnold yet. I know I want to play <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, but he's probably also going to be rostered, uh, especially if Darnold's under center. Rich, do you have thoughts? I mean, so. <laughs> I mean, it. Darnold was really good last year when he played at the back half of the year. Like he was fifth in the NFL in fantasy points per drop back. He was second in yards per pass step. Like he was effective. It's a forty three hundred dollar quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Probably where so it like, stops. Yeah. So like, there is probably some value. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, look at the Brock Purdy discourse, right? Like, look at the last three weeks of Brock Purdy. Like, so like, would we? Sam Darnold, he's 26 years old. He has pedigree. He's 4,300. He's going to be throwing passes to Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, George Kittle. That's why I don't know, man. That's really all I got. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and maybe, maybe maybe that's all you need. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, I mean, it, and it's a game, too, where, like, I mean, it could be ugly, though, right? Because, like, the big question mark with that game is, like, we still don't know what the hell the Bengals are. Like, no. right. Like, you know, but like, cause everyone's talking about Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow's had one good game and it came against the Arizona Cardinals immediately the week after he had a good first quarter against the Seahawks, but then threw for 185 yards. Like what if it, what if that game is like, ends up in like the low twenties and it's not that good. So like, there's like that angle of it too. We don't know what version of the Bengals we're going to get. I have no, cause I have no idea like what Joe Burrow's going to look like come out of this by. Right. They talked about already. They're going to play more under center. They haven't played under center at all since since, since he's been hurt, since that he's come back from that calf injury. Uh, the last couple weeks, like when it looked like that week he wasn't going to play right against the Rams, everyone's like, "Oh, he's not going to play." He played, just took every drop back in center. He's been in uh, uh, in shotguns ever since, and they've talked about playing more traditional offense. So it sounds like he's more healthy, but does it matter? Uh, he's been so bad, anyways. Like all his peripheral stats are so bad. He's last in the NFL in air yards per completed pass. He's last in the NFL in yards per completed pass. He's last in the NFL in completion rate on throws 10 yards or further downfield. Like, I don't know what we're going to get. I just don't know what we're going to get out of the Bengals offense. He's not going to get played this week. Like, we can say that against that San Fran defense. I assume he's not going to get played. 
Uh, Lamar versus Arizona, you know, for sure. Obviously, that looks like a great play. Hurts against Washington. Washington gives up a lot of big plays. And, you know, A.J. Brown, we'll talk about him, I'm sure, at some point. I wonder – yeah. I wonder how much Lamar drowns out Jalen Hurts too. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I would and the injury that Hurts had. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still willing to play him though. I mean, oh, that was yeah. these- he doesn't. You don't need to run against the Commanders. And Dagle, no. you know, <laughs> talked about it a couple weeks ago with Ritter and Tyrod got the Tyrod was QB six last week. Yeah, I would say Tyrod like, definitely they, got there. They, they scored 14 points and he was still QB six because uh, yeah. the Commanders just give up big plays, man. The passing game. Do we assume the the tush push is still a thing? Whatever whatever Hurts is dealing with, like we assume that's not going to be hindered, or may, maybe it'll be hindered. Yeah, probably just you won't see like the scrambling stuff. Yeah, I mean he I, played I with those... a brace in the second half, right? He played, he came back with a brace. Um, the um, yeah, and the the beat reporters were only mad though because like that tush push in the fourth quarter ended the game, so that's why. Now everyone is raising their pitchforks trying to get it banned forever, all because it happened against their team. Yeah, it's 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 a I, I don't know. Do do we have any hot takes on that as far it's it's a football play? First of all, the regular base QB sneak has like a 90% success rate, anyways. Like yeah. no one's yeah. ever clamored for that to like go away. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. And also like stop it. And in other teams, it's it's pretty clear that like listen, know, don't let them get to a yard away. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I will. I will stick with my opinion that like it probably takes at most thirty minutes of one practice to give like Christian McCaffrey snaps under center to run the touch push. But Who I will cares? say what Take happened. Quarterback to Brock out, Purdy. you're running back in the position instead. But what happened to Purdy on Monday is like the one way like it, you could start to see like something get changed in the rules because he got hurt basically on the same play and got hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like if if people say that because like what happens like people can just come in and tee off on your quarterback but, uh I mean, it, you gotta take injury like it's it's a good it's a sound play don't let the eagles get to a yard away man and first of all anyone else can do it like sirianni even talked about it. i don't even really love sirianni but like dude anyone else can run it i don't see we're seeing all these other teams try to do it and they can't do it you gotta take their rich as far as lamar versus hertz they're basically the same price I probably still like Hurts the most just because there's more chance for like a, a pushback, right? Like, but I don't have a problem with Lamar either. But I mean, I love Lamar. It's, I love playing guys against the Cardinals. Matthew Stafford's the only quarterback this year that hasn't scored more fantasy points than what he was averaging going into the game against the Cardinals. Uh, so it's a good stat. Uh, Dak, any interest in Dak? Cowboys are kind of popping and things I'm looking at versus the Rams. I couldn't, I couldn't get that game. So, uh, so there was a lot of meta talk within my head of trying to pick the third game because, like, I didn't want to get to the Cowboys Rams either because it could be so ugly. One, the Cowboys just aren't fun to talk about. Like, they're just such a boring team to watch. Um, also, Stafford, his issues under pressure, and now we get although the Cowboys right. are missing like Leighton Vander Esch too. But Stafford has been, an, and we talked about it a little bit last week too, if the Steelers' pressure got there, Stafford has been an entirely different quarterback under pressure this year. So well, even without Van Der Esch, I still worry against this Cowboys defense. I think that total probably comes under. So I know Dak pops in the models, but uh, that's one I saw, and I was like, I just don't think so. Rich, you got anybody else to throw into the conversation as far as uh, quarterbacks you're looking at this week? 
No, I think I'm probably just going to gravitate around Hertz Lamar. And then, I mean, like I said, it's going to be like interesting to see. I haven't tried to build out, like do some dummy stuff with Darnold yet. But like if later on in the week we see like there's just certain plays I have to have and Darnold gets me there, like because it used to be a thing on DraftKings, right? Before we got all these mobile guys that could throw, it was what we did on DraftKings. Like when Kyle Allen was 4,300, remember like, dude, jamming him in. We are punching (laughs) him in. We're we're getting David Johnson in this lineup. We're getting Antonio Brown in this lineup. We're getting Chris McCaffrey in this lineup. Who gives a shit? But now that we've got these quarterbacks that have like these ceilings that are really hard to combat because they can get you the rushing bonus. They can get you the passing bonus. Uh, it's really tough. That's what's kind of broke that meta uh, in DFS. So uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting spot. 4,300 for a guy that has no, like – No Dolphins, but like the rest of the guys are here. Like uh, Travis Kelsey, Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Brown, like ev- ev- Cooper Cup. Like everyone else is here. So that's kind of what makes Darnell interesting, yeah. It, it used to be a thing because like Peyton Manning can only hurt you so badly, right? He really has to, he has to go like 404 to really, yeah. really crush you and punish you. Uh, now, like you said, right, it's like there's different routes where you can, just I mean, Lamar, can... Lamar had 10 rushing points last week and he threw for 360 yards. He looks so yeah. good too, man. He looks like, so how, what are you supposed to do with that with a pocket passer? Right? Like I'm going to play my pocket passer and like be thrilled that he got me to 20. Right. Like, uh, running backs, I guess we should have a CMC conversation. And, like, yeah, CMC in, in a pairing with Darnold, I guess he'll catch a fair bit of passes. Um, and then you sort He's of think about defensively. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you're talking about that, John, right, as far as pairing CMC with Darnold possibly? Oh, yeah. Uh, CMC can catch passes. That is true. Uh, not yes. only that, but uh, clearly not injured. All but one touch this past <laughs> game returning and got stuffed because, uh, you know, running against the um, – Gosh, that already slipped my mind. What a long week. I can't remember who they play. No no success on the ground, though. Whatever. He still got there. But Minnesota. Thank you. Yes, Minnesota, who's been good against the run, except against DeAndre Swift. But the fact that, yes, he's clearly healthy. And also, like, it's the Bengals' run defense. You can also just sell yourself on that because they are allowing the highest rate of 10-yard runs against them. So either way, you want to play cheap Darnold, stack him with uh, Christian McCaffrey. You want to go to Brandon Ayuk as well. You can go there. Uh, we saw the splits continue for George Kittle if you want to pay up a tight end and down from Travis Kelsey without Debo Samuel this past week. So, sure, there are a number of ways to go. But Christian McCaffrey, whether it's with Donald or not, I think is an amazing play for that reason. Um, Kareem Hunt, we talked about a little bit. I, I think what happened, and maybe we'll see if we even get a full practice from Kareem Hunt. It would change my opinion if we don't. But like we talked about with Jameer Gibbs, I think the game plan is to feature Kareem Hunt if he gets a full practice, if he's at full strength. We saw he was a true game-time decision last week. That's why a lot of people got to Jerome Ford, who just ended you immediately if you didn't play him in tournaments with that that 60-yard touchdown run. But what happened after uh, Jerome Ford was injured was Pierre Strong out touched Kareem Hunt 5-2, but Kareem Hunt came in on the goal line. I think that only happened because Kareem Hunt was seriously injured, and they weren't planning on using him anyways, but they had to. So if Kareem got logs a full practice, I would definitely go back to him in this spot for sure. And then if you want the pivot, it's not pretty. But if you want the pivot off Lamar, you're paying down a running back. I mean, here's Gus Edwards against a very bad Cardinals run defense. 
And so uh, we saw last week that that's the player they lean on when they're up by at least seven points. And we expect that to be the game script here. Keaton Mitchell also banged up. We'll see if he plays. So they may be down to just two running backs naturally again. So just someone else to get to on FanDuel in particular. That's the old, uh, the old leverage play. Uh, but I just realized Sam Darnold playing on a Halloween weekend. He normally sees ghosts on just standard weekends. You got to figure maybe Inky and Blinky will be out there uh, in the Cincinnati secondary. Who knows? Uh, Rich, what do you have as far as some uh, some running backs for us? Uh, I think on both sides we'll see Brees Hall be the most popular play. Uh, obviously, the last time we seen him, he had a top, the only top five scoring week against the Eagles defense that they've allowed to a running back. Uh, he closed going for with 71% and 77% of the backfield touches right before bye. He also ran a route on a season high 60% of dropbacks. And, you know, with Brees Hall, you're talking about explosives, right? Explosive runs. I mean, he's fourth in the NFL and yardage to come off of runs that are 10 or more yards. The Giants are 31st in the NFL and allowing explosive runs. Uh, so, I mean, that's just going to be kind of a match kind of made in heaven kind of there. Uh, and his price is just really soft on both sites. Um, FanDuel's been pretty proactive on pricing, but even 7-2 is pretty light on where he's at. He's 5-9. Yeah. He's 5-9 on DraftKings. Like, absolutely, absolutely bonkers price uh, there. Um, Tony Pollard is interesting to me only because we finally seen the Cowboys. So, uh, before the buy the Cowboys going to that Monday night game into chargers. They didn't run one single play in the second half all season within seven points of either direction. Like they didn't have any games in neutral game script, like at all. Uh, and we finally seen them play a game in neutral game script. And we kind of see Tony Pollard check off all the boxes. We wanted to see at 88% of the backfield touches probably could have had a, a, a touchdown on a, on a wheel route. The only thing is, is like the rushing efficiency hasn't really been there for him. But the Rams are a team that have allowed combo backs to really kind of beat them up. I mean, DeAndre Swift had 108 yards against them. McCaffrey 135. Uh, so like, there's a, a an opening there uh, for him as well. And like, no man's land. If like he ends up being the odd man out of like that nebulous pricing zone because ETN just looks objectively better. Uh, people want to get the Brees Hall. We want to play Christian McCaffrey. Like, if he ends up being like the low owned guy by the time we get to the weekend, then he becomes interesting. Yeah, from what I'm seeing now, it looks like he's going to be reasonably popular. And that's the tricky thing because, you know, Pollard's not been nearly as efficient as he was in seasons past. Um, yeah, it's just uh, – D- Dagle, what do you have as far as this uh, Rams defense? I know I know we, we talked about it at the basically top of the season. It's like it's Aaron Donald and, you know, the, the John Travolta gift, like standing around looking, around looking around for anybody else that's competent defensively. But uh, I, have they been okay? Have they have they've exceeded expectations? I know collectively as a team it feels like they have. How is this Rams defense? Can we get a big Pollard game versus them? Uh, I don't have the Rams running back stats off the top of my head. Reeves, do you have them on your end? Like the defensive stats? Yeah. Yeah, I said they're, I mean, they're, 20, they're 21st in yards per carry, a lot of the running backs. I mean, they just allowed both Jalen Warren and Najee Harris to find the paint. But like I said, the mostly the combo backs that have really beat them up, like Swift and McCaffrey, that kind of make it more appealing from like a matchup side. But it also could be a situation too where the Cowboys, like their defense does work, and then you don't have another neutral game script game and Rico Dottles out here getting carries in the fourth <laughs> quarter. <laughs> Are we done with Joe Mixon, at least for this week? I'm just yeah, and I told it five. and listen, d- d- moratorium on Josh Jacobs again, too. We talked about it last week. Like when Josh Jacobs was checking me popular and I was like, this looks exactly like Joe Mixon every week where people are talking themselves into Josh Jacobs. And it's the same thing. Like these guys that are getting touches, I get it, but they're not cheap enough. Like to play, to to play those touches. 
is Demaricado cheap enough? If, is he is he the clear one now for Arizona? If you want to run back in that uh, you know that Baltimore Arizona game, I know we'll, we'll probably talk about Brown uh, and his revenge game, and maybe a tight end possibly as well. But is he is he worth a look here, uh, John? What are you seeing as far as uh, Demaricado? Yeah to to up his usage that much and remember two weeks ago like at least i told myself the process was right since he led the team and routes run or he led their running backs and routes run and snaps i was like okay the process was right despite getting only two touches but then to like be up to get everything 93 percent of the team's running back carries 95 percent of their running back touches all but one um they just eliminated keontae ingram from the offense altogether. I would imagine everyone in their Lamar stacks will probably use Trey McBride since he's so cheap on both sites. Uh, but sure, I think DeMarcado under 5K, certainly worth playing since we know he's going, We well, we at least assume now since he's done it in back-to-back games, he's going to lead their running backs and routes run. That's all I care about in a negative game script. Bijan feels like an interesting troll play, a flop lag play. He's, he's down to 6K on DK, which... Uh, and you know, a lot of people are angry at him. They got burned at him last uh, last week. You know, whole, whatever the whole situation is, but um, which was weird yes. because it wasn't even objectively a good spot for Bijan. It was really, I was really, it was it was weird that like people were like got burned on that. They were, I, I, yeah, they were more upset about their redraft teams, right? Like start sit situation. Now he was a popular, I think, like tournament guy too. Like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. I think also part of it is like one of the sites, uh, one of the pick'em sites where you fan or DK. Like they yes, like it was underdog. I think underdog his thing was zero and a half yards, so he like <laughs> he was like the three bet. And uh, yeah, he, he, the weirdest thing was that whole situation because if he's sick and he doesn't play, you know, so be it. If it, you know, whatever he, you know, they probably should have reported it. But like then he got that carry at the end of the game. It was like what's happening. That was them starting to build a defense, right? Like they knew like the league was going to come at them. Like, let's, let's, let's give him a carry. Otherwise it made no sense. Right. I, it I was like really weird. Right it was just a weird situation, man. He yeah, played 11 snaps and like, he was kind of out there and then they just gave him a carry at the end of the game for, to set up that field goal. It was just like out of nowhere. I just think like six K Bijan, like, you know, again, if you're going to go back, he was seven, eight on a week three, but he was overpriced seven... for his role. So like Bijan yes. is, is interesting because even while he was having some production, like his share of backfield touches and his usage, like never matched where he was priced, like where for his peers were. He was, he's only had one game where he got over 70% of the backfield touches. He, he's getting pulled. He was getting pulled inside the five. So like you were still paying top dollar for a guy that didn't have the same boxes checked as guys that he was priced around. Now he's kind of where he probably should be. As uh, Houston is trading away pieces, are they becoming more vulnerable on the uh, as far as you know defensively on the run specifically? specifically? No, they traded Kevin Byron. I think. Oh, the secondary piece. Yeah, and they're getting wow. Tier Tart back. Tier Tart is uh, he's, he's practicing, so the Tart's Tart's coming back this week. That's the guy we're afraid of, right? That's like their best like defensive. He's stopper. like an interior interior uh, defensive tackle. They have a few guys though defensively that they could probably trade like. Uh, uh Autry it could help some people out a lot. Like he's a guy that they could move. Like I know that doesn't excite you for like the, the fun stuff happening, but <laughs> that's not fun to me. Yeah. Um, all right. Running backs, anything else of notes, or shall we talk about some receivers? We're just all waiting right. on injuries Receiver. because like we, we may lose. I mean, everyone's questionable this week. It's all over the place. Like yeah. uh, you know, it's only Wednesday, but then we even had uh some DMPs from Tyreek and Mostert. So we're just kind of waiting on everyone. 
Yeah, it's tough with the Wednesday stuff when we record this to know how serious the take situations. Obviously, Tua's commentary was what kind of made it ominous for everyone on, on the Tyreek stuff. Like where he was like, we'll get Tyreek back eventually. And it was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> it's not what we want to hear, man. All right. Uh let's talk about some receivers. Uh, Rich, you start us off. What receivers shall we focus on? Shall we mention? Yeah, I, I threw on AJ Brown earlier. Like it feels like an incredible spot for him but go ahead. and i don't know if it's just because we have the full slate but it feels like you know we named more running backs that we have in previous weeks and i feel like receivers yep. like it's uh, it's deep obviously i won't even sell like the aj brown stuff because anyone can do it with the commanders too i think the probably the more interesting piece is do you go back and do doubles uh with Devonte smith because mm. Devonte smith also in that game against commanders he's only had one game of the past four weeks where he's been a top 40 scoring wide receiver the past five weeks that is and it was against the commanders he he had the nine targets. He had seven for 76, which isn't like amazing, but like if we can get nine more, nine plus Devontae Smith targets in this matchup too, like he becomes interesting because it opens up the path for doubles in a game where we don't believe Hurts is probably going to be as mobile as he's been either. Your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, Devonta Smith is in my pool. Again, Jalen Hurts is at the top of mine, if only because for recency bias, I think Lamar is going to come in heavily. And Lamar can definitely still beat us, can beat Jalen Hurts in a vacuum. But that's why I'm so heavy on Eagle stacks this week in particular. Everyone's going to play A.J. Brown anyways, but yeah. definitely. Especially if Tyreek's out. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, so Tyreek is questionable. And I guess, well, Waddle came back uh, last game, so I assume we're – He's fine. I don't know if he's practicing this week or not just yet, but uh, I didn't realize Miami potentially was a, we'll see. It's against Blue, it's Wednesday. We'll let everyone sort yeah. that out and go crazy yeah. the rest of the week. Yeah. I don't like to get too far into the weeds and stuff like that. Is there still, uh, is Kendrick Bourne kind of sort of somewhat real? Speaking of uh, the Dolphins, maybe a potential run back for New England. If you're looking for a run back there, John, are we, are we chasing Kendrick Bourne? Four, seven, his price get bumped up a little bit more. I guess we kind of need Juju to go away, and I don't know why they like hasn't Bourne kind of just earned his role now. Well, anyone who like had him in redraft or played him in DFS from weeks two through five don't think he earned a role. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty for that stretch. But these past two games, yeah, one without Demario Douglas, the other without Juju. Um, it has been Kendrick Bourne here for a 35% 23% target share standing out above the other only 12% of the team air yards over that span though. He's averaging 1.9 air yards per target the past two weeks. That's uh, amazing. He is one target further than seven yards downfield on those 18 targets. Pretty wow. wild. It does kind of fit the way the Dolphins played them in the first game, though, where they just kind of kept everything underneath them. But also that could be just another, you know, 24-17 unsexy game for fantasy, especially if there are just numerous injuries on the other side of the ball. Uh, so Kendrick Bourne priced up. Maybe interesting. I don't know. We'll see what else opens up. I also like Drake London. Going back to him, if everyone else wants to, like, go to the running game in a negative game script, because... Drake London's opportunity hasn't been an issue since week one when everyone panicked from that 5.5% target share. He's now seen 23% of the team's targets in four consecutive games and five of his last six. And the boundary is where the Titans have been exploited the most. Ninth in yards per catch, 10th in receiving yards per game from out wide. So I like Drake London too. Uh, any run Are you back, worried I'm about the volume there though with, with Levis? Uh, <laughs> we seen the old Falcons come back last week. Like, yeah, it was yeah. it was back to where the target shares looked good, but they only threw twenty five passes, so like everyone got capped. So my view of it is that 
you're probably not going to run on the Titans anyways. We talked about this with T.R. Tart. And so I'm just trying to so... sniff that. <laughs> no, that's true. That is true. So I don't know. I'll have to think about it. But I, I, uh, he still may stand out. I had him as like a loose fringe guy, but I was like a little bit looking at what happened last week because we talked about it coming into uh, last week where London was and Kyle Pitts had shown some signs of life too, was that the pass volume was so far up that it's like, all right, now these target shares really matter that we keep talking about every week. And then Mm -hmm. last year, and then last week they went back through 25 times and they also played Kyle Pitts at wide receiver last week instead of tight end. And he's like, so like he drew all the coverage from like actual defensive backs. So like Arthur was just like, we're still not out of the the way of him yet. And I'm not even saying like, I don't care for fantasy. Like you run your team, however the hell you want. Our job is to view what you do and then analyze it that way. Project based on what Mm -hmm. you're doing. But it is like malpractice. It's literally egregious that they're drafting these players in the first round and that he's just not using them or using them incorrectly. Like anyone who has a fantasy team can use them better than Arthur Smith is. That's the part where I get upset. I mean, the the Kyle Pitts thing is very frustrating. And it's not even me trying to go to bat really for Kyle Pitts because I know a lot of people talk like, but you look at it. So like lined up out wide, he's averaging, you know, you know, almost a half yard less than he does lined up, you know, in the slot or at traditional tight end, which is very rarely. And it's like, dude, we're just going to throw you out outside where dudes like Jamel Dean and, you know, can can guard you uh, instead of creating a mismatch with what the things you're good at. Like we did for the previous two weeks. Right. It's just... It's incredible. It's, it's it's just crazy stuff, man. Cause that's because we saw Johnu finally die because they they only threw twenty five times, like the that little dream. But is it Johnu revenge game though this week? Is he vengeful? Do we know how vengeful is Johnu Smith? How did they leave? They leave on good terms or bad terms? I'm not sure. Got to investigate that for sure. Uh, he got a bunch of money from the Patriots. He should have been happy. The five K area is pretty interesting on DK. Just kind of running through like Marquise Brown is five two. Uh, man, Watson, I, how did he not do it against Denver? That dude is so frustrating. Like theoretically, he's got a big, (laughs) Jordan, yeah, Jordan love. It's not really doing much uh, to help him out. Uh, There's a guy on DraftKings that's way underpriced. Uh, Dago probably was going to talk about him before he scrapped the game, but Nico Collins, uh, five, five, five. He think he's seven, two on FanDuel. Uh, but five, five is pretty cheap, especially against this Carolina team that is allowing 10.9 yards per target to outside wide receivers. It's 31st in the NFL, 29th, uh, in touchdown rate allowed to those wide receivers. And he's a guy that's already shown. He has like a huge ceiling, like spike week potential, uh, twice this season. He's had just like gigantic names, uh, games against the Steelers and against the Colts. Uh, he's only Tyree kill Brandon. Ayuk and AJ Brown are averaging more yards per route run than Nico Collins. Some of the there's volatility in his production, but we were talking about like a guy that has the kind of ceiling at that price. Like he definitely stands out as DraftKings is like they miss they're missing the boat on his pricing. Uh, uh, and that, that kind of that that pushes back against. I I do wonder if people will play like a Damian Pierce or Devin Singletary to save salary just to try to get exposure against the Panthers' run defense. But the care the Panthers are also probably getting back Frankie Louvu and Von Bell this game. Not to say, like, those are world beaters who are suddenly going to make the Panthers the best run defense in the league, but I think they'll help quite a bit. So that's uh, that's good exposure through the air for the Texans, too. Am I wrong to say Singletary has kind of put a dent in Pierce of late the last couple of weeks? Am I making that up? Or I think that happened. Before the bye was the first time. Yeah, because uh, before that, Dean, 
Devin Singletary, like the last two weeks for Damian Pierce were literally 100% of the team's touches and yeah. then 50%, like out of nowhere. So uh, that 50% I mean, happened. That's the area the where problem. that's the area where their offensive line issues have shown up, like all the rotating door of guys yeah. that have gotten hurt. Like they just haven't been able to run the ball at all. Uh, Richard talking about like Jordan Love possibly hurting uh, Watson, Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown right next to him at 5-2. Um, you know, with his quarterback, Dobbs, trying his best. Um, how do we feel about Brown? I know we've been trying to make that one happen for a while, and we talk about targets and things like that. Some targets are not created, created equal. Some are better than others. And it has – or just uh, – Yeah, past three weeks. Not catchable. Past three weeks, 25% of his targets have been deemed uncatchable. Only Amari Cooper has a higher <laughs> rate uh, of guys with 20 or more targets over that span. And that's just what's happened to – you know, uh, you know, the Josh Dobbs story, right? Like he's just been one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks the past month and that's kind of sagged him down. So like you're getting that target volume, but they're very loosely labeled targets at this point. And he's also a guy, if you look at his game log, like if he doesn't score a touchdown, there's just no production. So I'd love to believe, but now that maybe when Kyler, Kyler comes back, he turns around. I don't know if we'll see Kyler this week or not though, but the Ravens I don't think defense. we're seeing this, this week. It might happen. I, not I don't think rumors. so, but yeah, he did. He there, did Wednesday, there are some moved. rumblings. Yeah, there there's some rumors out there where Gannon is apparently telling everyone that like the moment he's ready and they think he's going to be ready sooner rather than later. If it's not this week, I still think it's week ten. I don't I don't think they would bring him back on the road against Cleveland in his first yeah. start. I think they wait to at home in week ten, but I don't know. That's the other right. one, by the way, Zay Flowers at five six. I was thinking Collins as well before you. Yeah, Collins at five five. Zay Flowers at five six. We talked about Deontay Johnson at a flat five k. London at five one. Brown and Watson. But you know, it's just some really interesting names there. You could if you're gonna, if you're yeah. gonna play Eagle Stacks. You got Terry McLaurin. You can run it back with two. Like he's pretty much separated these last two games in particular. Fifty two percent target share and twenty five percent target share. Not only that, but like the boundaries where the Eagles are getting or where, yeah, where the Eagles are getting exploited um, as opposed to slot. So, yeah, McLaurin stands out, too, as the player to run it back with, clearly. I got one last guy, too, for the leverage. uh, And it's I don't know one wants to play this, dude, but Garrett Wilson. (laughs) uh, I mean, Zach Wilson's shown like a smidge of competency right before the bye. He caught eight of 12 targets for 90 yards against the Eagles, which again plays into what Daigle just laid out for, for Terry McLaurin. But we always talk about the blitz, right, against the Wink, the Wink defense, right? And you know Wink sending all the blitzes he can at Zach Wilson. Like, probably he might blitz every every snap if he yeah. can this game. <laughs> uh, but you look at it, it, when Zach Wilson's been blitzed, he's targeted Garrett Wilson 61% of the time. Wow. Six, 61% of the time. He has 73% of the team air yards when Zach Wilson's been blitzed. Uh, when Zach Wilson has been blitzed and not pressured, Garrett Wilson's caught 11 of 16 targets. Only AJ Brown has more receiving yards against the blitz when his quarterback's not pressured this season than Garrett Wilson. So if you're looking for some Brees Hall leverage, the problem with Garrett Wilson is like, he is not budged in terms of pricing the whole year. Like you talk about Bijan finally going down, like Garrett Wilson has been priced like at like six, six, yep. like the whole year on DraftKings and priced at like the low sevens in FanDuel consistently. But he is like an interesting leverage play based on kind of the matchup and where he's getting targets. And Zach Wilson's just been a little bit better. And it's made Garrett Wilson the last, you know, two of the three games before the bye, like competent. Rich, uh, I know you like to guess or you're, you're always interested who the uh, the optimizer is giving us on a, on a Wednesday night for tight end. And that's 
That's somehow been the play. Uh, I, I kind of let you know. I, I kind of already implied who it was. I didn't say the name, but, you know, context clues. They're smart enough to piece it together. Uh, how do we feel about Trey McBride? Uh, Trey, McBride uh, Trey McBride season, he's hitting a bunch of optimals here on DK. Uh, let's see. His price is what, basically still mid. Yeah, 2-8. Two 2-8. Eight. Uh, two eight, um, you know, and Ertz is not going to play, right? Is he officially ruled out? He's on IR. He's, okay, that's what I thought. Um, how do we feel about McBride? It is a ready-made runback if we like Lamar stuff, which we should. It's better than the Michael Mayer thing because the thing with Michael Mayer at his pricing, whatever, he's 2700 but Michael Mayer's breakout still came really in a route on 60% of the dropbacks. So, like, that was always kind of, like, could be semi-fragile. Like, we would expect Trey McBride to, like, actually be out there, like, for almost every dropback. So, at least alleviates kind of it being, like, a really terrible matchup. Um but yeah, I mean, who, who am I to, to yuck anyone's yum on a twenty eight hundred dollar tight end? I didn't, I didn't get nine. to, I didn't get to Mayer at the end of the day, which I got lucky with because that was Brian Hoyer. But he did run a route on seventy one percent of dropbacks through three quarters, and then they benched him with the rest of the starters because you know that's what happens when Brian Hoyer puts you in a thirty one to six hole against the freaking <laughs> Bears. I had some uh, some Kelsey, I had some uh, some Andrews, but when I saved some salary, I had a fair bit of Njoku. And I, let me tell you, uh, Red Zone was not a lot of fun if you had Njoku last week. You just <laughs> see him dropping back-to-back touchdowns. It's like, oh, I know his uh, like route participation, like he was on the field a ton. Uh, I don't know if I trust this uh, passing offense here for Cleveland. It's funny because his two best games have come without Deshaun Watson. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do we feel about Njoku? Is he somebody that, you know, like as far as like uh, opportunity, it's there. Um, but like their team total is what, 17 here uh, against yeah. Seattle? I mean, this is PJ Walker. And I don't know how real the Seattle pass defense is based on who they've played. But like, I know that they're probably pretty good. You know, now yeah. that they've got Devin Witherspoon and Tariq Woolen back, like we'll see where it actually like it lies. Uh, but I'm not really going to challenge this defense with a, with a bunch of Browns dudes this week. John, tight end, like, I, I, you know, what we, we like Kelsey. We like Andrews, like, sure. Uh, I don't know how much we need to stress that. Uh, anybody kind of sticking out as far as cheap stuff? Goddard feels like he's come alive the last several weeks. Uh, is that somebody that does something for you, I suppose, in your uh, hurt stacks? Uh, Connor Hayward, by the way, is hitting a couple off of those, oh, which God. is weird. Like, we're projecting seven I, points for him. It's not a big projection, but he's just, like, stone mid. And you know, know, now i got to play Connor so. Hayward. Is that any, any relation to Ironhead, or is this a different person altogether? I have no idea. I could not pick Connor Hayward out in a lineup. I don't know who he is. I just seen his name before, but right. he's really um, at the Cam Hayward, right? The, oh, is he from the, the, the Saints? The Saints? Is he I not? Believe, is he not his younger? Is he not his younger brother? I believe he's I his know. brother. Yes. Okay. And it, uh, Jason Hayward possibly someone, crossing over someone, sports. Someone in the chat fact check that. <laughs> I think he's his younger brother. He might be wrong. He's like more of a blocker too, though. He's not like much of a receiver. Yeah, how do they not have any tight end that can like you know? You think there's somebody would step up for Pittsburgh, but I guess that's just not happening. John, give me give me some names. Anybody that we're excited about, or you want to at least feign excitement for some tight ends? Um, I may. The more we the more we talk about it, actually, just work third on the show. Maybe like Sam Darnold onslaughts are the way to go. Make a dummy Martin. lineup with Sam Darnold right now. Can we play Kelsey, Cooper, Cup, Brees Hall? Uh... Uh, give me Jamar Chase. Give me Chase on the run back. 
because like because it's like i've been trying to i've been trying to think about do i want Ayuk or kittle either they're both good options but we're at we're at tight end so you just kind of saw the same thing that happened when debo was out and debo's going to be out this game last week like it Kittle still soaked up a 24% target share and led the team in receiving yards. And that's what happened whenever Debo was out last year, 24.4% target share, 17.7 points per game at tight end. And I uh, remember he went on that palatial stretch where he led the league in receiving touchdowns while Debo was out. It's kind of the same spot again. So I may play three players with Sam Darnold at least. I love it. I love it. Sure. Why not? Um, We've any, been, I mean, any- this we're we're all clearly like still sifting through everything because there's so many moving pieces with 13 games yes. this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're just making sure we touch on everything. Yeah, we're covering all yeah, our ground here. It, to be fair, the slate does look pretty fun too. It, it it looks fun. It looks like we have a lot of plays and a lot of options. Whereas the past two weeks with the injuries and some kind of the the chalk, like it's been very kind of condensed. Like where we've been building lineups uh, as a as a, a community. So it looks more open this week outside of a couple guys. Like, like I said, Brees Hall is going to be really popular. But um, Any, Anytime you could talk about Sam Darnold, Derek Carr, and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts all being viable <laughs> plays. I mean, that's a slate. That's tournaments right there. You got anybody, uh, Rich, you want to throw out there? Uh, a couple guys. Uh, you know, Dalton Schultz is still just getting like immense usage in the red zone. He's 16th in all tight ends and target share outside the red zone. But he's first in the NFL of all tight ends and target share inside the red zone. Uh, Panthers, they've been really garbage against tight ends all year. 27th in yards per target, 25th. Like I said, maybe they, them getting some of the linebackers changes and things. Uh, and then the Jake Ferguson, like quietly the usage is there. But like he hasn't gotten the targets the past two weeks. But when we last left off, Jake Ferguson ran a route on 85% of the Dallas dropbacks against the Chargers. Um, he is he leads the team in, in red zone target share. It's kind of a way to get into this game. And the Rams like are another team that we've been kind of targeting weekly uh, with some of these tight ends too. So Jake Ferguson might fly under the radar because the targets haven't been there, but like ran the most routes he did uh, Monday before the bye. I, I, did I can't tell a, if Jake Ferguson is like on the verge of breaking out or just like not doing anything. Like every, yeah, every, single, every single week, I cannot pinpoint like what direction yeah. he's going. We got Cowboys tight end and former Cowboys tight end there in the pitch. And I did Google, by the way, uh, Connor Hayward, uh, the brother of Cam Hayward, but they're both the the, the children of uh, of Ironhead Hayward. Craig Ironhead Hayward is the dad. Oh, 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 great, man. Yeah, I I did. I was just throwing that out there. I'm like, I was just thinking I was just like, you know, roll dexing Hayward to my head. Uh, So there you go. Shout out to the Hayward family. It's like the Amonra family. It's like it all trickles (laughs) down, just all athletes. Um, one of them is like a what the, the father is like a weightlifter or something like that, or like a is, he's fit. Or, and yeah, then fit, he's in the fitness. Um, the mother is was it a swimmer, a sprinter? I'm not sure, an Olympic athlete. Yeah, it was something, it all trickles down because remember, Amon Ross' father like um handpicked or like tr- found a wife that he thought was suitable to create super children. Like that was their backstory. <laughs> he just he wanted to have like at super athletic children, and like so then they got together because they were two uh, a- elite athletes. On like the first date, is he making her do the cone drill, or he he saves that for like the fourth date? Like when when does he when does he bust that out? You can always tell a swimmer. Swimmers swimmers <laughs> the most defining, easiest to pick out. All right, uh, that is the slate. That is the thirteen games. In a second, we're going to talk 
the movie Trick or Treat. By the way, uh, I mentioned it at the top. We were going to have that pinned uh, on the old YouTube. Hit that like button. Subscribe. subscribe turn on the notifications. Do all those things. Leave some comments. Uh, a movie. If you have any movie comments, but I'm sure it will be something that will you know, be worth talking about in the conversation in a second. But you also want to participate. Participate in the Listener League contest because standard contest, but then you also – it's just five bucks to jump in. If you happen to finish first, you will get a month, a month free of Rotor Grinders Premium. And that's like all the sports, uh, you know, the bells, the whistles, the projections, the ownership, the optimizer, all the goods, everything with the exception of NASCAR. NASCAR, come on. Is that really a sport? That's a whole other conversation, I suppose. I, I always have to drop the qualifier because one person one time is going to be like, hey, you said I get all the sports and I can't get the NASCAR. And it's a la carte, the whole thing. So there you go. NASCAR is a la carte. My apologies. But everything else you get a month free. Just jump in that contest. Five bucks. Feel free to take us on. Take us down. But, uh, Rich, what are we doing first? Are you going to give us a movie or are we going to talk the movie that's uh, – Oh, hey, producer no, Rob is coming can, in. Rob can, here. Yeah, can I, can I make my bitch real quick? Are you guys already boxing me out of winning this thing every week and picking a movie? Well, you 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 only play one sided. You don't watch the movies. You don't play along. So yeah, I, you, you okay? Yeah, you, I was playing. I guess is you week. finished uh, higher than Rich last week. But Rich actually plays the game. He plays along. He lives in a society, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to watch the movies <laughs> that everybody else is deciding. I you watch, refuse to participate. I, I watch all the movies. The only time I couldn't make it last week on the show, and I'm getting yelled at for it. You know uh, what October is for me? October is like my crazy <laughs> month. So it's a big month for you. My apologies for assuming you can't squeeze in a movie. No, I'll be there. October. I'll be there for every show. But no, Rich can pick this week and we'll I'll just watch and protest. And then I'll come <laughs> on and, <laughs> and watch in silence. What would also, you pick if you could pick Rob? Uh, well, I know the show is big fans of Paul Giamatti. So yes. I wanted to pick an out there Paul Giamatti movie. I was going to pick Shoot 'em Up with um Clive right. Owen as well. I think that I don't know why. I think, wow. think Dangle would them. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Shoot that was up. what I was Yeah. Yeah. It's Clive Owen. Clive Owen's in it. He killed a man with a carrot that before. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> I ruin it. Throw, like, big sorry, house at us or my something. My bad. Like spoiler <laughs> alert. I spoiler alert early. Oh, but it's I haven't watched that movie in a while. I've been wanting to watch it again. So that was going to be my pick this week because we were talking about how we need more fun movies. And I hope as we talk about Trick or Treat, you guys found this movie fun, at least. Uh, let's see. 82 percent from the uh, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 72 percent for the audience score. I'll get the IMDb score in a second. I know Rich likes the old IMDb score. That's useful as well. But uh, who wants to go first, Rich or John? Your thoughts? Trick or Treat? By the way, I just want to say this. Uh, I watched it on Max, you know, on the Max app. Mm -hmm. It was number seven, the seventh most popular watched movie on Max. Wow. I, I'm so, this movie came out like 15 years ago. I guess it's the Halloween tie-in. Like, yeah, people Halloween, are just like, we got to watch this because it's Halloween. There's so many good movies on Max. And then there's trick or tweets. <laughs> but, That's uh, every, right. every single app right now. It's usually horror movies at the top because everyone's watching the scary movies. Rob would suggest everyone do that year round, but October yeah. is when everyone really does it. Right. Okay. And for me, this is a Halloween tradition. This is one of those movies that I, you know, everyone has their, their Christmas movies they go to. I go to trick or treat almost every year on Halloween. Cause I think it's like the best Halloween movie. I'm not saying the best horror movie, but in oh. terms of encompassing Halloween, this is like the best Halloween movie. By the way, a six seven on IMDb, Rich. Uh, do you confer? Uh, uh, do you confirm? Were you a fan of Trick or Treat? 
Uh, of course, uh, starring the great um, who was starring in this? Oh, Anna Paquin, the delightful Anna, Anna Paquin, Brian Cox, Leslie Bibb. I think those are the really known people that we would see. Oh, the, the my favorite part of this movie uh, before we kind of jumped the gun, I suppose. But I always wondered what happened to the kid from Bad Santa. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I was like Leo DiCaprio, like pointing at the screen, like, "Oh, there he is! There, there, there's the Bad Santa kid." I wish I could have put a bet on DraftKings because I was like, I 100% know Dean's going to bring up that kid's from Bad Santa. I knew he's, that was coming. He's yes. like our generation, like the Sandlot kid. Like, he's, I don't. It's like it's very similar. I don't know if they're related or not, but yeah, I, I feel like that kid got uh, typecast. We haven't seen him in much else. I meant to check out his IMDb, but uh, I was happy to see him, even though he was wrecking pumpkins. But yeah, Rich, your thoughts as no, far I'm as... Uh, I think I've actually talked uh, about this movie with Rob, so I'll let you go. You guys go. <laughs> John? Uh, well, I was going to say, you go ahead, Dean, because you're the one who usually <laughs> does not like the horror movies. If you I mean, even you consider know, this a horror movie. It, it, it was trying to be a little more clever than it actually was. Like it was trying to be like horror movie. Like it's like Halloween memento. I think it was a, what it was sort of trying to do. It was fine. You know, I, I didn't love it. I, also, Anna Paquin is like cast as like this, you know, unattractive, like woman, like nobody wants to talk. It's like, what, what are we doing here? Like Anna Paquin is like, who was buying that? Like the, who would want to date Anna Paquin? Like I got this slob over here who may, may, if we're you're really nice to him. Uh, did, what, what was that, Rob? Why was Anna Paquin? Like cast us like this, uh, you know. Well, that was not delightful. That that was you misinterpreting what was going on in the movie. She was, oh. she was lacking confidence because she was quote unquote the runt of the litter. And if you go back and watch the movie again, you'll yes. get all these references as they're talking about like her lack of confidence. She's not able to find anyone because they think it's for, you know, spoiler alert to to be like a guy to date. But it's not because they're werewolves, which was uh, really heavily hinted at throughout the entire movie. And uh, I, I love this movie. I think it was clever. I think it's I love anthology movies to begin with when you can get multiple like short stories. But the fact yeah. that they were able to tie in every single short story to each other, they're weaving in and out of them, I, I thought was one of the best anthology movies I've seen. And there's others that I like. But to be able to do it that way is was very, like, different to make sure that you saw each character. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite uh, part of the story? Um, I want to like the bus one more than I than I do. I I think it has the strongest elements, but pulled off the weakest. If that makes sense, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. I, I do think the werewolf stuff's good. I mean. The opening with the principal and and the kids is probably the the best story in terms of like entertainment value. It's not a scary movie. I don't think it's no, meant no, to be no. a scary movie. It's meant to be an entertaining it's Halloween like a ghost movie. stories uh, movie. I yeah, I, I appreciate this more than um, which I know will probably be offensive, but more than like the old school horror movies, like uh, you know, like Jason and Halloween attempt to be scary and they're iconic, but to me outside of being cult classics like they don't age well which again i know is offensive people love those movies <laughs> but uh i think this is more enjoyable than that yeah it's it's like a comfort movie like it's like uh, i mean as much as a, a movie about right. murdering children can be it's a comfort <laughs> movie um so i i think it's a great halloween movie i think you can actually even watch it with your kids i know it'd probably be a little scary 
you know, but like when they're starting to hit those teen years, unlike us when we were forced to watch horror movies when we were like four or five years old back in the late 80s, early 90s, it, that, that doesn't happen as much anymore nowadays. I, I just, it's a five out of five for me in terms of just enjoyability and My- rewatchability. Michael in the chat, Rob, watched the movie with us and asked, what was the purpose of the couple? What was their connection? So the couple, they were the tie. Like, they tied the entire movie together. You start on that couple, right? And you do see them again within the the scene where they're at the Halloween festivities in town. And what you find out is they are one of the neighbors of some of the other people from the story. And what happens is it comes back to showing why Sam targets them in the beginning of the movie, right? Because she blows out the candle. I mean, the the pumpkin. So they're basically the tie. They tie the entire movie together and allow everyone to work those stories together as an anthology. Did you want to put a score on it, Rich? I know you said you've seen it before. You talked about it before. Uh, I know... Uh... Producer Rob, you put a, f- a five out of five. You're just a number scale. You you, you don't do uh, tight ends or well, no. I, I have I already have established my scale because we do the the movie reviews every two weeks over on Hometown Ghost Stories. So I we did five out of five stars. I'm switching to five out of five whatever associates the movie. So five out of five Sams on this movie for me. Five out of five. So that's like, you, you don't do like decimals. Like we do decimals. Se- I gotta leave some wiggle room. Like you said, no. nothing can top this. In terms of a Halloween movie, I don't think there is a better Halloween movie out there than Trick or Treat. There are better. There might be better horror movies. There's obviously better movies overall. You clearly have not watched Garfield Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Do you but like this... the Scream series, or like you one of those guys doesn't like the Scream stuff? I like Scream. The the newest Scream I thought was trash, but the the Scream series is usually enjoyable. Yeah, I enjoyed those for what it's worth. You, you say I'm not a big horror guy, but well, that's more of like, you know, satire and comedy. And obviously there's some horror elements, too. But um, Rich, did you give your official? Uh, do you have a tight end? Yeah, I give this to... uh, uh, I give this a Taysom Hill uh, versatile. Uh, <laughs> it's it a lot of things you, you want it to do. <laughs> uh, but I, I agree with you, Rob, as far as the bus scene was like probably my least favorite scene, I think. It felt like just it went long and kind of dragged, even though the movie yeah. was pretty quick. But yeah. it just felt like it just was too long. I, I don't. It I feel just like kind of lost me in the middle of it. I feel like a still shot of it is all you need because, like, the art, the scene is cool. But yes, it maybe does drag on just a hair. I, I just think getting to them coming out of the water could have happened faster. I, I just think that you can get that whole scene established way faster than they did. And again, it's only an hour and a half movie, like you said. But it just it felt it felt uh, to your point, the pacing just felt a little off from that little portion. It's a a little nitpick, though. Yeah, it's like it was a scene from a different movie, almost kind of sort of. Mm. Um, Yeah, John, what what do you have as far as uh, trick or trick or treat? I haven't given anything over seven yet. I'm trying to have standards with the scale. So I will give sideways. I will give this a six point one and take Mm. it. It's fair. That's enjoyable. That's okay. That means I'll rewatch it eventually. There you go. And then you'll pick up on more things. You'll pick up on the werewolf reference right away, right out the movie. 
Yeah, because uh, I yep. didn't see all the tie-ins coming either. I don't know if you're supposed to the first time you watch it. I did no. not. No. Okay. Good. But but when you rewatch it, you're gonna be like, holy shit, they are just giving this this werewolf thing away the entire time. From I think one of their first things was a werewolf reference. Uh, fun fact about the movie: you know when the kids peeping in on all the girls in the changing room in the beginning. Yes. That's the same kid that plays Sam throughout the entire movie as well. Um, all of the trick-or-treaters in the movie were mostly little people because of what time they were filming at night. But they wanted Sam to still be played by a child because of the way a child moves versus an adult. So a fun little uh, info there for the movie. And Trick-or-Treat 2 is supposedly in production. It's supposedly been in production for 15 years, <laughs> and it's basically the horror equivalent of Game of Thrones, where we just keep hearing that there's a script. It hasn't been made, and there was a lot of turmoil with this movie. It was supposed to come out in theaters, and I remember seeing seeing the trailer and the commercials right. for this movie, and I then it never that. came out. And you're, I was sitting there like, when is this movie coming out? And then it quietly got released on video rather than coming out in theaters. And then it just gained a gigantic cult following. And it gets more and more popular year after year. You'll If you walk by the mall, you'll see Sam characters all over the place, which is impressive for only being one movie. So, Does the second one have a theme yet or just the idea of a script? supposedly the script is just written we don't know what the theme is going to be if you want a movie adjacent to this that is in the technically in the same universe if you saw that movie krampus that came out about five or six years ago somewhere around that time it had a pretty good cast as well it's from the same makers and they say that it is in the same universe as trick-or-treat there's several oh there's a whole bunch of krampuses oh yeah there was a big krampus boom but um, Adam Scott is in. Adam Scott's in the one I'm talking about. It's got a, a pretty good cast. The big Krampus okay. moon of like the that's what the odds are. Yeah, Krampus I, I, the Devil Returns. Uh, Krampus <laughs> the Avenger. Oh, Krampus fought Big Bigfoot in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and spoiler alert: I guess he, he won because the Return came out in 2022. <laughs> so, so, or he lost I, and he had to come back. Right. I don't know. Yeah. All right. So uh, there's a lot of Krampus movies that I was not aware of. I went to Box Office Mojo, and apparently uh, for Trick or Treat, uh, $3 million is what it opened at in 1,300 theaters, give or take, in 1986. Wait, hold on. This is a different movie. You're looking at Trick Oh, that's why. Ozzy Osbourne. So that's why (laughs) in our private chat, I specifically let you guys know it's Trick or Treat with Anna Paquin so that we all watch the same movie. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I, I clicked on the wrong, and that's why I, kinda, I guess they... well, do. I want to go back and watch Trick or Treat. <laughs> I think it's finally they just announced that it's going to be streaming, and I can't remember if it's on Screenbox or not, which I should know since I am signed to the company that runs <laughs> Screenbox. You should be on top of the such things. Should be yes. We also need your letter grade, Dean. Yes. Um. I appreciate. I, I think it was amb- it was like you know more ambitious than a typical uh, horror movie is, right? They're trying to be clever, uh, and again, it's, they're trying to be memento esque. Am I wrong in saying that? Is pe- that people compare this to like a horror movie, memento horror stuff? Is that something I, other people have said, or is that just me? I think I don't think it's memento esque. I think it's just you're seeing tie-ins because memento is all about starting at the end and then 
yeah. working your way backwards. This is more just intersecting points of the same stories, yeah. right? Um, so I, I, I can appreciate the effort. Uh, I, 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 so uh, I, I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. I would say it's like a C, C minus. There you go. C, C minus. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. And, and on Rob's point, I probably would, uh, given some time passing, might like it more on a second viewing. Where that's like, I might, oh, yeah, I picked that. It was pretty clever. They kind of planted that there, and like, I might have not picked up on that on the original viewing. But uh, Rich, you're going to assign us a movie now. I don't know if Rob's going to watch it. No, he, he he might, I, be, I he, thought we were watching Shoot Him Up. Oh, is that that's where we're going with your your yielding? We're going to go to Shoot Rob, Him Up. Rob said he's committed. I mean, I'm oh, committed. Okay. I just don't. I just don't know if you guys want to tap out since I'm going to win every week. <laughs> I, that that's the only thing I'm concerned about. Monica Josh Towns well? will have something to say about that soon enough, sir. <laughs> I mean, how did you guys not get to Lamar Mark Andrews last week? It just well, it was... I think you you don't understand the rules of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't win we the right play. Good, we we do not play good lineups on purpose. <laughs> uh, okay, touche, yeah. touche. I mean, we can't win actual prizes, so. (laughs) All right, fair enough. I I think we're all playing Sam Darnold stacks uh, this week based on. You've already heard onslaughts. Uh, All right. I mean, it's a Wednesday night, grain of salt, so I'm not sure how committed I am to that, but uh, it's an interesting idea, (laughs) nothing else. But, uh, yeah. To shoot him up or Sam Darnold? (laughs) Well, well, I'm going to watch because I, look, I play by the rules. Have you seen shoot him up, Dean? I don't think so. If I have, I completely forgot it. But like, I love Giamani. Uh, Clive Owen's a lot of fun for sure. I was it's just a, talking. It's a fun movie. It, just go in knowing it's a fun movie is all I will say. Yeah, I was thinking of. Uh, I mean, Children of Men is one of the just a spectacular movie. That but is not Children not a, of Men, dude. That is not a fun movie, though. <laughs> yeah. That's the, that, yeah, that's the thing. I don't know how to like recommend movies that aren't fun. Apparently, he's like, oh, that's great. The, the directing a spectacular of movie, Men, not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Was he the one that did? Uh, was that Law Abiding Citizen? Is that him? That's Gerald Butler. I always confuse those two. Uh, That's a fun thinking, movie. You were thinking of he did um, Inside Man. Did he do Inside Man? I think he did Inside so. Man. Yeah, it was Inside Man. Maybe I was conflicting those two for some reason. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, stacks. Now we're cooking. This is the, it's my. This is like the stuff I play in this tournament. I want three quarters <laughs> of Levis. <laughs> uh, what a disaster that's going to be. Uh, well, since you're here, Rob, tell the people where, where they can find you, where, where they can get your Halloween takes and things of that sort. Well, first of all, if you're into best ball, you can catch me over at Spike Week with Eric Bimefor, where we're very excited that Trey McBride is finally going to get his turn to yes. start hitting our lineups for sure. And if you're into Halloween stuff, um, you can catch me over at Hometown Ghost Stories, where we tell ghost stories every Tuesday night live at 9 p.m. Except next week, we're going to be live Monday night doing listener submitted ghost stories which is some of our like we get some of the best feedback on and then tuesday night we're going to be doing a live review of the movie halloween and if you want to do something live if you are close to plymouth massachusetts tomorrow night this is up john daigle's alley we are going to be at a beer and wine tasting event telling ghost stories in Plymouth, Massachusetts at the beer cellar and then i'll be at a horror convention in plymouth as well on saturday doing a live podcast over there. So when I'm not here next Tuesday or next Wednesday, it's because I dropped dead of exhaustion, <laughs> not because I didn't want to watch the movie. So. Are you, or are you not drinking Merlot is the important question at this wine convention. 
Well, since I cannot drink beer, I will try some of the wines that, that are there. I'll do that and I'll I'll get back to you. All right. John, tell the people would, where they can find you. I would love to be able to be found at that convention, but unfortunately <laughs> cannot fly over in the next 12 hours. So you'll have to wait till the off season to see me, Rob. And then yep. also, as always, 444.com, waiver wire column happening every single week. We're not halfway through the season yet. That's what I'm being told. So we have a long way to go, boys and girls. Rich? I feel that a lot of people's seasons are already over. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we are more than halfway through the fantasy regular season for a lot of people. That's why we're here and we're talking DFS. But, yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com. You can use promo code HALLOWEEN all the way through midnight and Halloween for 50% off anything on the site. All right, for producer Steve, for producer Rob, for Rich, for Daigle, I was Dean. For Rotor Grinders, thanks for listening to the Pick 6 Show, week number eight. Go win something. We're out of here. Holler. 